0: Well, now for all you sexy, sexy ladies. ladies hey, that's my tune. Yeah, I'll be coming soon. Well, if you're poor, or if you're blue, or baby, if you're lonely, you'll be sure to be there, honey. You should have flown with your money. But ladies only. Ladies only. Ladies only. Ladies only. <laughs> you know what all... My clientele will. Devour
1: him. Oh my gosh, that was like three of the best moments of the two TV movies we're talking about tonight. Um, If you're tuning in and don't know what we're playing, which would be odd since we put it on the notes and the iTunes and on our website, we are going. I don't know. I don't know how to cleverly put this. We're not doing the thunder from down under, but we're getting close. We're going to talk about male strippers in the TV movie. And we're going to talk about the two TV movies that I know of that are specifically about male strippers, um, which ironically enough, and I don't know if anybody else saw this if they looked the movies up, but you know, they aired on the same date in different years. So, on November 9th, no. November 9th, 1981, and November 9th, 1988, God smiled on us.
2: They are really warming us up <laughs> yeah. as, as Autumn hits. Yeah,
1: yeah, they were. They were heating up the TV, guys. Mm-hmm. So, 1981 was uh, for Ladies Only, which stars Gregory Harrison and Mark Singer, who is quickly becoming my favorite actor of all time, um, in a really wonderful kind of slice-of-life film that just happens to be about a guy who is also a male stripper. And then... About about seven years later, they decided to throw story arcs and characters out the window. And they said, let's just get some men up on stage naked and have them dance to the hottest hits of the day, like pump up the volume and glamour boys and, um, and let's kill them with somebody dressed up in a muumuu and, and a Tina Turner wig. And let's just go for it. And that would be Lady Killer, starring um, Thomas Calabro and Mary Lou Henner. Um, they're both really good movies in their own way. Um, and I'm really excited that we paired them together, because years ago I actually reviewed them together. I wrote an article about um, male strippers in the TV movie. And I don't even really remember what I wrote. Uh, I hadn't seen For Ladies Only since I wrote that article, and that was probably like 10 years ago. So I'd sort of forgotten how good it was. um, And so I'm really excited that we're sort of reliving this and we're going to... uh, let people know about this movie, which is a really rare, rare film. So I know a lot of people um, haven't seen it, but we are going to spoil it. So if you don't want to hear about how everything works out for Mister Harrison by the end of For Ladies Only, then you may want to skip over to Lady Killers, which is pretty easy to find. Both of it's interesting that they're both so rare because both of them had home video releases. So I don't know why one is more rare than the other, but that's just how it worked out. So to get us started, I thought I would. Well, let me introduce everybody. I'm sorry, I'm off my game tonight. Um, you know, I got. Back Back in town, I was out of the country, like I said last month. I went out of the country, and I was only gone for like eight days. And I've been back for a couple weeks, but I really still feel off for some reason. So I'm a little lagging. So I'm expecting Dan and Nate to pick up my slack tonight. So you guys have to be extra charming and funny. Um No pressure. So let me go ahead and just get started. Um Hey, Dan, what's up?
2: Hey, Amanda. Oh. <laughs> that's
1: that's extra charming.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I I um my computer did something weird right there. Let me be super charming. Hey, Amanda. How are you? What's <laughs> going okay. on? My, my my apologies. I I was I realized one of the problems with Lady Killers is that it's not covered in the Merills that I have. Oh really? So I because I go eighty six. So as you were talking, I was bringing it up on IMDb, and then you said, "Hey Dan, what's going on?" And suddenly I had to bring everything, and I was off by a second. But we're good here, you know. I I don't think I'd be great as a male stripper. I'd probably be that guy who looks a bit like dana carvey who comes out and says hey ladies what do you want to see okay wait
1: name the horror movie that that actor stars in now he's a co-star but he's one of the leads
2: he looks so familiar i feel like um
1: oh come on come
2: on i know you can do it oh my gosh um early 80s i I could see him i could see can i get a minute
1: no i want you looking it up
2: no
3: okay
1: Nate, nate do you recognize the mc from lady killers from uh early 80s horror movie
3: no, but I'm terrible at recognizing people.
1: Oh, I'm so disappointed. That guy starred in. Well, he was the he was one of the leads, but he's not the star of the Boogins.
2: Of course, he dies in the garage. Yeah, yeah. He's the oh oversexed guy
1: that's having sex with um um marie Martin. Yes, from uh, prom night and Sledgehammer. Correct. Yes. Yeah, I love that guy. And you know what? He's very special to me because. Oh! Hey, are
0: these guys hot or what?
2: Well, now, for all
0: you sexy, sexy ladies, we have a big surprise. And when I say big, I mean big!
1: I mean, he gets me going. He gets me going, guys.
2: I, I wonder what he's referring to when he says big. I don't know. Hmm. I think he's yes. talking about the, no, the production. Oh my gosh. That, that breaks my heart that I didn't realize that was him. Actually, I was... In my mind, I was going through about 300 horror movies from the 80s, and um, I didn't get to the boogans
3: yet.
1: Oh, that's too bad. Well, anyway, we're done talking to you. Hey, Nate, what's up? Hey. (laughs) Hello. Are you excited?
3: I'm very excited.
1: I'm excited that you're here for a couple reasons. One, because I think you revealed a little bit about uh, what you like about For Ladies Only, which we'll talk about. But also, um, you've seen Magic Mike,
3: right? Yes, I've seen both of them actually.
1: Okay, good because Gregory Harrison claims that uh, for Ladies Only, which he produced, um, that Magic Mike kind of stole from that film. Did you see a lot of similarities?
3: I mean, I, I definitely saw similarities. I I, I can't deny that. Um, you know, for for ultimately, I mean, they're they're definitely two separate films, but you know, I mean, they're, they're like some of the basic like plot lines. I could kind of see similarities to.
1: Well, interesting. I thought he was just making that up, because when we get to the, the background, we'll see that he kind of remembers and misremembers things differently, depending on when he did the interview. Anyway, just to get us rolling, I will give us a brief history of uh, male strippers. So, you know, uh, male stripping is actually a fairly new phenomenon. Um, it was. It's pretty indicative of the sexual revolution and the women's liberation movement of the 1970s. Uh, um, that's when male stripping first came to be. Uh, and the first noted case that I could find when I did a, some research online was that Jet Magazine actually wrote about, or they had an advertisement for, a male stripper that dated 1973. And that seems to be the earliest example of um, somebody, I guess, either calling themselves a male stripper or a male exotic dancer. But um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, um, oh, what's it called? Peck popping? Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you make your pecs sort of move around and it looks like they're like not part of your body. Oh, yeah, they're sure. Moving. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, that's a that's that's been a thing since the late nineteenth century. So it's not stripping, but there's been this sort of like fetishization of the male form for a long time. But it didn't really become what it what we now know of as like Thunder from Under and Chippendales until the 70s although i don't i can't even imagine what the history of female stripping looks like i mean that must be a much more diverse um and widely recorded phenomenon but um but male stripping for some reason was just not a thing until then it was actually originally not intended to appeal to gay audiences so uh back in the day clubs would actually charge astronomical fees to get uh, to discourage a male clientele so they were they were really interested in like discouraging a gay audience which is hilarious because now they really seem to embrace it and i I don't know that they could survive if they didn't. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of funny that it started out that way. And that's not that unusual because Playgirl was founded in 1973. And I actually wrote an article about TV movie actors or television actors who posed in Playgirl a few years ago. It's my most popular article. They, too were surprised that men were buying their magazine. I don't know that they were surprised or they just said they were surprised. I mean, they had to have known that there was a gay audience. Do you know what I mean? Especially by the 70s. But they claimed that it it was never their intention to attract male uh, readers. And as you know, uh, Playgirl was also a huge phenomenon. And I'm only including it because I know a little bit more about uh, posing naked as a man as compared to stripping but um you know uh it it was a huge phenomenon it spawned several magazines including viva which um andrew prine posted and i think ben murphy might have actually posted that too i know he did a sexy photo shoot um that was really good actually much better than what you normally see in playgirl um because it was story-based and um it was it was really (sighs) It was erotic, but that's not the word I'm thinking of. I think it's because it had, like, a story to tell. It seemed more appealing than just, like, a guy standing there naked. Don't get me wrong. George Maharas is handsome and everything. But but Ben Murphy won that one. Um, So that's really all I have about male stripping. I was going to make a list of male strippers on television. But, you know, it's really hard to search that even on IMDb with the keyword search. So... Um, I'm just going to talk about one male stripper that I can think of offhand that I think is worth noting. But does anybody remember the episode of Facts of Life where Blair's boyfriend, played by Woody Brown from Killer Party, um, who was in med school, was stripping at night to pay the bills? And Joe and Blair took Mrs. Garrett to the male strip club for her birthday. Do you remember this? And he was stripping on stage.
2: I feel like I do. Did I learn a lesson at the end of it?
1: Well, the lesson is that Blair dumps him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Blair. Yeah, that's my my memory of it. First of all, it's Harrison from Killer Party. You don't dump (laughs) Harrison from Killer Party. Second, it's Woody (laughs) Brown. He's so adorable. He's an alligator too. Okay? Mm. So, I didn't understand it. And also, like, he's trying to pay the bills. He's not fucking rich like Blair is. So... That's yeah. horrible, but my memory is is that they broke up, and if anybody remembers the episode better than me, let me know, but um, I'm pretty sure. He's only in like five or six episodes. I remember him being in more of those, but um, he's the only male stripper of note I can think of. I do remember a male stripper in a John Ritter TV movie with Connie Selica. I think the movie was called The Last Fling. Huh. Um, But I don't really recall. I'm sure they had them on, like, Laverna Shirley and stuff. But I don't really. Oh, Golden Girls, I think, had one. But I don't have, like, a real strong memory. So I couldn't pull together a really good list. But if anybody out there wants to do the research and let me know, um, (laughs) I would love to know what TV shows had male strippers. I'm sure there's so many that we're just not even talking about. And then I have. I don't know if we've talked about it on here. We must have. But, you know, I always tell a story about something that's sort of related to what we're talking about. And we call it sort of like Amanda admits or something like that. And I remembered while watching lady killers that I was taught the art of tipping a male stripper in the early '90s, at a gay bar, my friend Ray and I used to go to this bar called the Cave, and the Cave was this really—I mean, it wasn't really a gay bar, but it had a huge gay clientele. It was this really neat local bar that was pretty much like you couldn't overdress, you couldn't underdress, um, you could be gay, you could be straight, you could be a drag queen, you could be anything you wanted, and the bar, and everybody just hung out at this bar, and it was almost like like a really edgy version of Cheers. So, like, it was a lot of regulars came, you know, and we got to Amanda.
2: Make... Did they yell that whenever you
1: they, entered? They didn't, but. Oh. Um, there was this really beautiful guy, I think he was Native American, real big, muscly guy, and he was a straight go-go dancer. And so he would come to the cave, they had go-go dancers on the weekends, and, and it all always male. And he would come and dance on these little special podiums they had around the stage, you know, the dance floor. And he was beautiful, and my friend Ray and I would go and watch him. I guess we were drinking or something one night, and Ray just turned to me and he said, I'm going to teach you how to, sh- how to tip that guy. So I was like, okay. So he gave me, like, a dollar, and we went over, and he shows me he showed me how you just, like, pull out the front of his G-string just enough so he doesn't think you're looking, and you slip the dollar in about halfway, and then you sort of pop it back, and then you look at him, and he thanks you, and you smile, and then sometimes he shakes around a little or something, and... Um and I did that a few times. He was he was really nice, but what was so strange about that was that I never introduced myself to him nor did Ray, but he ran into Ray at like a Lollapalooza and he said, "Hey Ray, how's Amanda?" and he actually learned our names
0: wow.
1: purposely because he really liked us coming
2: in. That- that's good customer service. <laughs> That's okay. real
1: good, real good customer service. I never got to socialize with him, but Ray hung out with him alone. He was a real nice guy. But um it's not really male stripping, I guess. I guess it's go-go dancing, but it's the closest I have to this because I've never I've seen female strippers, I've been to strip clubs, but I've never done the male stripper thing.
2: Yeah, have, I, I've never I've never been to a strip club ever.
1: Oh, ever? Been,
3: have.
1: A male uh, strip club? Uh, Nate?
3: Yes, there's one in Atlanta called Swinging Richards.
1: So <laughs> Tell me about it.
3: <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's a male strip club and like you'll, the guys get up on stage. Um, there's usually like four or five of them on stage and they'll play a song. And during that song, they'll kind of get shirtless. Then they'll play like another song and then they'll take off their pants. And then the third song, they get all the way naked. Wow, Full Monty and
2: swinging yeah. Richard at that. Wow. wow,
3: completely naked. yep.
2: Wow. Uh, do they have Do they have themes or are they just like dressed well? Honestly,
3: you know? they're they're they don't have any themes. It's not like you know. I was watching these movies that we're going to talk about tonight. It wasn't like that at all. I mean, they they're just wearing like you know jeans and okay. there was no theme. Just. You know, and, and and the sad thing is is that most of them couldn't really dance. There was only one or two that could actually dance. And so, I mean, they were very entertaining. Uh, the other ones were just, you know, they were really attractive, but they just couldn't dance. So it was kind of awkward at first, I guess. Strange gyrations, I think. Yeah. Is- yeah I and know. a friend I was with got hit in the eye with a certain part of the stripper's anatomy. Really? So. <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, we, we make fun of him all Richard the time or, for that.
1: Oh, that's awesome, actually.
3: We uh, said, hey, put your eye out that night. Oh, my gosh. That wasn't Grant Grant, was it? No, <laughs> Grant Grant <laughs> would never go to a
4: strip
1: <laughs> That's incredible. That reminds me of the one night, one New Year's Eve, a group of us went to the cave to, you know, have New Year's Eve there. And there was a different dancer there. And they had this lighting system that went around the dance floor. And he was, he was like standing on the podium thing and he had his hands up on the light system like the bar with all the lights on it and he was dancing he was gyrating and we were really into it my friend candy she's one of my best friends um was like Woo! like she was being really loud and i mean we were all being loud but i think she was being extra like oh my god and he turned around to this is a true story he turned around to see who was doing all the whooping and hollering and he, he brought the whole lighting system down <laughs> Because he was holding on to the bar that keeps the lights up and he actually pulled the lights down. Oh. And, and although it went dark and all you could see was they had like that dry ice smoky stuff coming from the music, you know, when they would play the music like Madonna was playing or whatever, and they would have the this kind of smoky stuff coming up from the floor and there were people just kept dancing. Like nobody stopped, and he was trying to hold wow, up. that's. <laughs> he was trying to hold cool. up the lighting system, and my boyfriend at the time um, was the only other like large person there, and so um, he was the only person who could reach up as high, I think, as him, and so he had to help help him hold up the lighting system till they could fix it. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that, but there's, so there's no oh. penis in anybody's eye, but that was a pretty funny
2: that's fantastic
1: yeah we felt horrible and I think he felt horrible too because he basically destroyed like thousands of dollars of lights (laughs) (laughs) that was awesome I totally forgot about that and that was a that was a night from hell because my friend got really sick and his boyfriend had to take him home and then he came back and we're like you left him he could choke to death because he was throwing up like incessantly and my friend was like I'm not leaving this party (laughs) And so there's just a lot of drama that night. Anyway, so that's the closest I've gotten to male strippers having things in my eye. But, um... It was awesome. So let's just get started <laughs> with the first film, which is for, we're going to just do this chronologically. So the first film was Four Ladies Only, which to the best of my knowledge is the the first TV movie and one of the only TV movies. I think these are really the only two TV movies that really focus its story on male stripping. So there are anomalies. It was also starred Gregory Harrison and was produced by him, which is so it's interesting that he, because he chose the story. He cherry picked this idea himself and we'll talk about that. But Dan, why don't you go ahead and tell us what the movie is actually. About
2: okay, uh, for ladies only, November 9th, uh, 1981. NBC, what is it? It's a teleplay, John Riley suggested by material by Charles Hairston or Hairstar. I had a tough time reading his name on it. Um, uh, produced by Frank Levy and Gregory Harrison, directed by Mel Damsky, who I know from Yellowbeard and mm-hmm. like. 20 episodes of the show psych so this this basically is a gentleman named John Phillips from Iowa and if I get anything wrong yell out I'm looking at back and forth in my notes. a gentleman from uh, Iowa named John Phillips uh, has just graduated from college. He's an actor and he arrives in New York City. It's sort of a midnight cowboyish when he arrives except the song is much uh, funkier. When he arrives, and he arrives there, and he's got a thousand dollars in hundred dollar bills, and he gets himself a an apartment, and he's going to be a big Broadway star. And what what happens is, sort of immediately, he does what all good actors do: he goes to a bunch of auditions, which don't go so well, and then he also goes to see a bunch of agents, which doesn't go so well.
0: Make it's one of my favorite plays. Impressive. Four years leading roles. Nice review in the Chicago Tribune. The critic's daughter was in the cast. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta shut up about things like that. Small-town honesty can cost your work, kid. You got nothing here I can sell right away. I think I have the talent and the drive to make it, Mr. Shanks. I've got clients 20 solid years on Broadway, I haven't worked in a year. I'm a beginner, sir. Everybody has to start somewhere. I received a $1,000 scholarship to get here. I've never failed at anything. I've always believed that you can lose battle after battle, but if you don't give up, then the war's not over. Sure, kid, sure, kid. I can't send you out for speaking, parts. You never worked even a day. You gotta go to open call casting. And if you land a walk-on or a small understudy, you'll work for SCAD. You won't need an agent. What happens when I get a bigger part? I'd be surprised.
1: I don't think anybody's surprised about his bigger part
0: i
2: i i have not seen it i'm not randy oaks so i have sorry. not seen his bigger part by the way um, did
1: sorry. anybody see that that woman in one of the dance scenes look like randy oaks
2: no, I didn't notice that.
1: There's a really pretty blonde that he kisses in one of the dance oh. numbers, and I think it might be Randy Oaks.
2: So he does the typical actor thing, and I know this because my wife did this. You you, you go to the auditions, you go to the agents, you do this and that. He goes to uh, one agent, and uh, what is her name? Uh, Sandy Green is the secretary. Sandy. Is it Sandy? Is that right? Yes. Sandy is the secretary for this agent, and he kind of— um, woos her with some improv and she's kind of impressed by him and and uh, he doesn't quite get a chance there but he almost does and then he meets the great and wonderful mary louise <laughs> who is this kind of big loud sassy brassy like she'd be on broad city today uh and she's just she's so she's so fun and she kind of well she sleeps with him immediately and then introduces herself afterwards, which I liked. She's an actress too, and she they're very different uh styled um actors, and she brings him into a acting class that she's in at this point at this point when she brings him into that class, his thousand dollars are running a little low. possibly it there's a problem with the fact that they gave him that thousand dollars in hundred dollar bills. Mm, But, uh, you know, uh, so she brings him into an acting class, which is a little pretentious. But in that acting class, he meets Mark Singer and Mark Singer plays Stan. Oh, he plays a character named Stan. Yes. The character named Stan Novak. And at the end of the class, he's sort of vetting it. Uh, I'm sorry. uh, uh, John is sort of vetting the class. Uh, At the end of the class, Stan has a proposition for John. Hey, you wanna hear about a way you can clear a hundred bucks a night in cash and no wait until the end of the week for payday? Oh. You ever hear of a place called a Club Max? No. Well, uh I work as a dancer. Yeah, you know, I take off most of my clothing for for an all female <laughs> oyster. Oh, no man. Hey, well, hey, come on, come on. It's no. not as bad as it sounds at first. I didn't like the idea either when I heard about no, it. No, that's not something I think I could do. Hey. I'm not proposing that you strip. Uh, you don't have
0: to do that for money. You 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 could clear a hundred bucks a night just uh, working as a cocktail waiter with your shirt off. <laughs> I don't even like the idea of it. Hey. Listen.
2: The ladies blow off a lot of steam, they blow off a lot of bucks, and they go back and brag their husbands and their boyfriends about what a sexy liberated time they had. Now, who gets hurt by that, huh? Come on. The guy's been watching a girl strip for centuries. Now it's a lady's turn. <laughs> I don't believe this. Well, you know, I'm, I'm... I'm not as serious as you are about acting, you know.
0: Hey. It takes money for acting lessons, right? Right? Well, this is a tough town to make a buck in. Now, here, all you gotta do
2: is bring cocktails to nice ladies who love to look at you, and tip.
0: Listen,
2: it beats pounding the pavement looking for work. One night.
0: Hey! That's what I said. What have you to do? Marry the manager? Come on! (laughs)
1: So that's kind of a long clip, but I had a real hard time figuring out where to cut it because yeah, I just fell in, lo- I fell in love with Mark Singer watching this. Like I I really like Mark yes. Singer as an actor, and I always have. He's very charming. But I just recently watched um, a Shades of Love episode he was in called Indigo Autumn, um, which starred the girl that played Mary Lou in Hello, Mary Lou Prom Night 2, which was awesome, Whoa. as the love interest, and she's gorgeous. And he plays this older guy who kind of woos her, and I was like, I never really think of Mark Singer like this. You know what I mean? I just think of him as like this. He's on Dallas. He's great. He's like, you know, Beastmaster and and he's handsome enough, but like, um, he's just charming in like a real effortless way. And, um, and I really just fell in love with, even though his character is a mess, I really fell in love with Stanley and I can't imagine anybody else playing Stanley. Um, the way he does it is so he's got enough, like he's just got this real likable quality to him. So when I listen to that clip, it's like, I can't cut any of it out because there's, (laughs) <laughs> you need all the mark singer you can get in this world is what i'm saying.
2: Yes, sometimes you need to take the whole scene, the whole scene needs to be there. Yes. So um so uh John goes uh, Club Max, it's it's raucous. It's it, it mostly seems to consist of um uh sort of housewives. They're they're mostly sort of dressed as housewives kind of and and they're super enthusiastic. I mean, they're crazy. And and he's just he's got his shirt off and he's delivering drinks. And you know what? Gregory Harrison equals hunk. So he's walking around and he's looking good. And there are all these great uh, performances going on and things. And so what what we get at at this point is we get a series of montages of him acting mixed with him doing the drinks. And then because the headliner is it, the headliner has what did not show up and they need Somebody. another stripper.
1: I feel like yeah. Mark Singer's the headliner.
2: No, no, there was another, I think there was another headliner actually. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I didn't write it all down, but someone didn't show up who was supposed to, and they get Gregory Harrison to dance and strip. And at first he's a little uh, stiff. And, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to use that um, word. Um, but at first, he's a little uh, wooden. That doesn't work either. <laughs> he's not so great when he starts. He's introverted. One, yes. The acting scenes we've seen him in aren't as animated as the moment he realizes that there are like 100 women, 200. How many? I don't know how many women are there, are literally screaming at him to just take off some of your clothes so we can look at you. And he he strips him off and he starts dancing and he loves it. And he eventually takes on the persona because this is the time where everyone has a persona of the uh, cop. Mm. He's the cop who sort of shows up and tries to close it down, but then begins stripping kind of thing. And um, so so he's doing that and really enjoying that. And off to the side, Mary Louise. Uh, um and him are working on a scene that uh, forgive me I need to see her name sandy the agent there are a lot of names here I'm sorry folks sandy the agent assistant who we met earlier or is it the casting director no
1: she's a uh, uh, he yeah I don't remember if he's an agent or not but she's this like a secretary or an assistant
2: she's a sec- yeah she's a, she's an assistant to either a casting director or an agent and she gets John an audition doing a scene for this casting director. So Sandy is there. The casting director is there. And his scene partner is Mary Louise. The casting director doesn't care about John, but likes Mary Louise. So as John's stripping sort of um, star is rising and rising is not innuendo. That's just, that's what's happening. Um, Mary Louise actually now has like an agent or someone behind her, which he doesn't, which John doesn't like. And John kind of throws Mary Louise aside. Mary Louise is kind of like, whatever. And she goes on her way. And so Mary Louise is gone and John is stripping more and more and beginning to hang out with some of the, older ladies i mean mm. greg i don't know i don't know what age gregory harrison is here 30
1: maybe well or so? no i think his character's supposed to be pretty young
2: um okay oh yeah that's right he's, he's like 20. stanley's
1: in his 30s i think because oh, he's okay. got that vietnam shirt on that jacket yeah, yeah, he wears that's he
2: talks about vietnam,
1: actually, yeah I and know. i think that there's a reference he even says he's not as young as he looks and um i feel like i feel like he's in his early 30s and gregory harrison's about 10 years younger
2: yeah, i I yeah if he's just just graduated he's 22 23 so he's doing his thing and he's starting to get involved with ladies like he and Stan go to a party where they strip for a random extra that I don't recognize and Lee Grant for who's, heaven's sake who's
1: Dina Manoff's mom yes. so wow that was really cool
2: yeah which is awesome and 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 uh John sort of has a brief affair with Lee Grant but then he also meets up with another lady and i forget her name but i'll look it up here beth doyle beth doyle is played by the star of blood rage i lie she's also star bananas she's (laughs) in bananas she's she's mary hartman it's louise lasser everybody and he has a bit of a he spends the night with her
0: listen i really did think it was all my fault i did i just thought you know i just wasn't um Sexy enough to uh, satisfy him. Do you know that it never occurred to me that he didn't satisfy me? Where is he now? Oh, <laughs> well, since San Francisco at one of his medical conventions with her. What's her name? Vicki. 23 years old. But I do admit that for a long time now, I've really wanted to know what it might be like to be with another man. And? 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 And?
1: That is easily my favorite scene in the film. Oh, it's so good. It's so what I like so much about Gregory Harrison, and we'll talk about this a little bit in the feedback, is that his character is very likable and pretty much remains that way. I mean, he has some moments where you're like, well, I don't know if that's the right decision, but um, he is such a likable guy, and he's not really taking advantage of these women. Um, he's like, he's he's not in love, obviously, but he's like romantic to them, and he's fulfilling certain needs in women, and he's enjoying it. And he's without judgment, and um, and I really like this because her character is also kind of like a real sad character, but he brings out something in her that's like this sort of sexual awakening, that's like really sweet and really well done, and I I just love the scene. It stole my heart.
2: It's a great scene. We'll talk about it more after I uh, wrap this. After up. we're I'm, done. I'm like,
1: after we're done crying because it was so beautiful. <sighs>
2: well well let me i'll wrap this up quickly um i'll I'll leave us hanging right before the end so what happens is he's he's meeting all these ladies and he's becoming more and more popular he's also trying to get the acting going and and he he's hanging out with sandy a lot why do i want to keep calling her grace i don't know why Mm -hmm. um but he's hanging out with sandy a lot more and what happens is Okay, this this possibly is where I will end this. I I had a tough time figuring out where to wrap up this because it's sort of a um, realistic ish drama. And I don't quite know where to put the stop point on it. So I'm going to do it here. I'm going to say what happens is he becomes more and more popular as the stripper and he really seems to be enjoying it he he really seems to love the attention he he seems to be really good at it which is which is nice and so there is a big competition and he's there and he wins the competition and becomes the new headliner and as the new headliner he gets an agent an agent who tells him, I can get you on Broadway, but first you have to be in Playgirl. First you have to be in, I, f- I forget the other magazine, GQ or something like that, talking about how it's its like being a male stripper, and you have to go here and there on these talk shows talking about being the new hot male stripper. And at that point, Sandy shows up and says, you, you know, being a stripper, you should have told me you were doing that. You've ruined all your chances for um, anything. And because no, no director in Broadway is going to talk to a male stripper. And so he's like, he's still stripping, but he's like, he's, he's losing that edge of, I, I might be on Broadway and he does an audition for Broadway director and the director says, nope, I'm, we're not going to take you. And so we build and build and and we learned that mary louise has opened a playhouse sort of in a small town which yeah i is really don't cute. think she
1: opened it i think
2: she's just working there oh is i i thought she said something like i don't I don't have to answer to anyone or at one point or something. I Maybe thought, I
1: was just in the impression it was like a summer stock kind of thing she was working at.
2: Okay, all right. Okay, uh, yeah. I thought for for the the second time I watched it, I thought, oh, I feel like she's done more on that. But but she's working at this place and doing Two Gentlemen of Verona, and he still really wants to act. But it all builds to, and this is where I will stop. The last night that he works at Club Max, where Mark Singer, Stan. Stanley, who has been hitting the cocaine. Well, it's 1981. He's a little early for the cocaine. It wasn't until about eighty forty five that we all started snorting that. But he starts to hit the cocaine a little hard. And we get a crazy ending, which I'm going to close. I'm going to close my synopsis, and I'm going to close my book. And we can spoil it in a few minutes, but we're not going to spoil it now. Amanda, please dive in.
1: Okay, well, so like I said, I hadn't seen this movie in like 10 years, and I don't know why I never watched it again, because I remembered enjoying it. It's not really campy or anything, and so maybe it's it's not that it's not rewatchable, it's just that it's a movie that you kind of want to pay more attention to than something like Lady Killers. Lady Killers, and we'll get to it, but it's more popcorn, you know. And so this movie has a lot of depth to it, and, and um, it's surprisingly... It's not moving or anything, but it's it's just that it's got like a character arc, and like you're really interested in where Gregory Harrison's going to go with his life and where it's going to end up, and you really like most of the characters. Um, I don't think that there's anybody necessarily unlikable in the, with the exception of his agent, played by Stephen Keats, but he's supposed to be a scuzback. so that works out. Um, but um, it's so enjoyable and it's it's pretty cinematic. It's got a real big scope to it. And it's interesting we can talk about it in comparison to Lady Killers when we get to it, but Lady Killers is like bereft of like like scope. It's like here's it's like really static shots of the stage and then if they're on the streets, the streets are always kind of dead. There's never a lot of people except in the club. Do you know what I mean? It's like in alleys and here they're in the heart of New York and the club, Club Max is like packed. Like, it's ridiculous how many people they crammed into that club. And and so it's really... The film has a lot of life to it and a lot of energy, and... I really I fell in love with that. I thought the acting was great. I thought Patty Davis was amazing. Um, she plays Sandy. Um, she was, um, at the time, I don't know what you call her first daughter. She was Ronald Reagan's daughter. So, um, and this was her first TV movie. And it's interesting because the only other things I'd seen her in was um, she's in a romance theater with, um, I can't even say the name of the actor, but she doesn't star in it. She's the best friend and she's horrible. And that was my impression of Patty Davis as an actress. And then she did an episode of Love Boat where she has a romance with Boz from Riptide, which like is my fantasy right there. And nice. um, yes, I'm so in love with Tom Brady. But like anyway and she's good in that. But there I wouldn't say there was anything particularly special about her but in this film I think she really shines and a lot of critics noted that as well um it's a real quiet character and she's just sort of a consistent friend in his life but she means a lot to the film I think and I think she helps to kind of keep Gregory Harrison's character really amicable like or amiable I guess is what I'm thinking of because the way she cheerleads for him it's like it's like it's always about him really wanting to be an actor at the heart of everything and she sort of anchors that um by being his friend and the conversations that they have and and the and they don't really have a romance but she's in love with them and she has a really good relationship with Mary Louise is that the character's name the Dinah Manoff character
2: yes yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah they have she has a really good friendship with her and and it's like everybody gets along like Stan um is a really good friend and he's a mess. But, like, when he gets Gregory Harrison to strip, you notice how Gregory Harrison's throwing his clothes to Stan? <laughs> yeah? And it's because, oh, I- it is no, there's no sexuality there, but it's because Stan is, like, his cheerleader. And he's, like, telling him, you yeah. can do this. You can do this. Everybody loves you. And so he's concentrating on his friend because it helps him feel more comfortable. And I guess you could read that any way you want, but... Um, but, like, it's all about, like, friendships that are real. And even the acting teacher is, like, really you – know, Vivica Linfors is the acting teacher. And um, she's uh, – she can be really tough, but she's got she's thoughtful. And, sh- and what she says is, like, sage advice. And so it's, like, all the characters are really well thought out. It wasn't just thrown together. So considering it's about male stripping, I think people probably got the idea that it was going to be real trashy. And it certainly has some sexy moments in it. But it, it somehow is, like – it rises above that on so many levels. So, yeah, I was really impressed with this film. Um, I think it's really good. It's one of the better TV movies we may have reviewed, and we reviewed a lot of movies I love. But, I mean, in terms of, like, cinematic achievement, I think that this film was really aiming high for something, and and it hits the notes almost all the time. I mean, that's my opinion of it. Um, Nate, what did you think of For Ladies Only? Was this your first time watching it?
3: Yes, so what it was do you my think? first time watching it, and I thought it was really, really good. I thought it was uh, maybe even a little ahead of its time. Yeah, um, because I, I love the whole idea of you know the struggling actor, and you know he, he he and you know people throughout the film constantly say that he's a good actor, but they just he never gets roles. Um and um oh and. There, I did notice another villain in the film. I have to say, because some of these acting uh, classmates oh, yeah. are very rude. Yes. And there was one woman in particular, and I was like, she, she says something to him, like, watching your performance, I felt degraded That's by right. your performance. And I was like, well, excuse me, negative Nancy, Miss <laughs> pretentious Patty. I'm like, I'm sorry that, you know, you uh, felt my performance like so degrading for you. Make my performance about you. Why don't you? But, you know, it's sort we, of Nate, like, t- did she say this? <laughs> it hurts. It really hurts. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> um, but it kinda reminds me of when we talked about um, you know, please mom, don't hit me in the face because um uh, no, no, wait a minute. Please mom don't hit me. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't mean it. That's the best. That's the
2: best. <laughs> please mom don't hit me in the face.
3: <laughs> please, please don't hit me so in Imagine
2: trouble. we could put that on blue <laughs> and it would sell a million copies. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: uh, uh, yes <laughs> I'm sorry go ahead. <laughs>
3: that was awesome on that one <laughs> hey, please mom don't hit me yes. just don't hit me at all That's, um... oh, <laughs> oh, that was the subtitle please mom don't hit me in the face but just don't hit me at all <laughs> yeah, just don't hit me at all oh, please please oh, please <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so you both know how I had to take that um, server to task. Who was very rude. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yes. it was like oh, in this movie it was, was like another worst. like small character is being so unbelievably rude. And I was like, you know, you don't have to be that mean. You can have, offer, like I thought the acting coach herself, she offered very constructive criticism yes. to him. But like uh, people like that drive me crazy because they don't offer constructive criticism. They just want to tear you down. Well, she's basically on the same level he is too. I mean,
1: they're all in the same class. And as far as we yeah. know, none of them are getting a lot of work. And so she's struggling just as much as he is. But now, so Stanley tries to say that they he's just being hazed. By these people, and I will say that there's a dark-haired girl that has kind of an accent, and she said that the performance, um, there's something about the performance she didn't like, and then later on, he's getting ribbed for something else, and she says, give him a break. And so I know
3: it's such a turnaround.
1: Yeah. So I feel like maybe there was some hazing involved in there, but um, yeah, I mean, he was so dejected, but what I think is so great about, and I don't mean to cut you off, but one of the things I want to mention about Gregory Harrison's performance is Gregory Harrison is a very good actor. I mean, he is obviously really easy on the eyes and he had a lot going for him in terms of getting into acting, but he, he's also, he doesn't take it for granted. He is in there and he's, present and in the moment and he's very good and he proves it in those scenes because he's a very good actor Gregory Harrison playing an a good actor as the character and he can switch from when he's playing the character that the movie's about from this amazing like so you know with all this pathos and ideas and thoughts and feelings and then switch that off as the character that he's reading as as the actor if that makes sense. And so you can you can see that he knows what good acting is and what not good acting is and he plays them both depending on the scene. And that's really difficult to do and I think that that's a mark of his talent. Um so I think that acting scene is actually really important, but I agree with you there were some really bitchy people in that room.
3: And maybe yeah, and if it was a hazing, you know, it might have been okay, but um I don't know. We just didn't see enough of that yeah. of the group maybe. Maybe if we'd have seen more of them and they were a little bit more fleshed out, it'd be different. But, um, yeah, that, that scene, I was like, oh, I could never be an actor because I wouldn't be able to handle that. I would mouth off and, you know, I, I that would just I would get a reputation like, no, he's a problem. Right. Don't hire him. I just cry. You just cry? I just
1: cry. I'd say, please, mom, don't hit me in the face. Every time somebody (laughs) said something horrible to me, like about my performance, and I would probably cry. I actually took acting classes.
2: We wouldn't let anyone hit you in the face. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Nate and I are there.
1: I actually took acting classes in high school, like paid (laughs) acting classes.
2: I did. I took acting classes in college.
1: Well, I sucked at it. It was pretty good. It was horrifying. And um, so, like, I would do whatever I was supposed to do, and then I would go home and I would just cry my eyes out. I, was, I just didn't enjoy it at all. You know what I mean? And so, like, I know watching him how difficult that must be because I was in a group of really supportive people and I still felt like an ass. So, like, so, like I know, like, to be a struggling actor like that and have all those people tell you you're degrading, you're like, it's okay if he's going to play it like a lounge act, but does he have to be a second-rate lounge act was one of the uh, criticisms. And, um, and if somebody said that to me, I probably would have hung myself. I'm just saying.
3: I would have sulked. Until they apologized to me, <laughs> and it would have worked. It would have yes. worked. I'm sure they would have. They would have cared. <laughs> yeah. When they saw me sulking, uh,
2: sulking over there. Come on, someone say something. Please.
3: <laughs> you know, there's that one scene where um, you know he's serving tables, and the one woman is trying to pick him up. Um, I'm terrible with the names, but you know, she's like, "You're the best looking guy in here." And I was thinking, she's got that right. I would be like, "You <laughs> need to be up good. on the yeah. stage." Yeah, yeah, quickly, quickly. Here's five bucks. Get up there. Yeah. Get up on the stage. You'll make a lot more money than you will slinging the drinks back, you know, behind the stage or uh, off the stage, I guess. But he had to make that but, decision himself. Yeah, I, and, and I will say if I had like a, anything negative to say about the film and it's not really that negative. It's just that I felt the ending was wrapped up like it felt very rushed to me. Just like, please, mom,
1: don't hit me in the face or body.
3: Yeah, well, and you know, the reason I flubbed on that uh, is because before we started recording, I was watching um, uh, American Dad and uh, they were I think it was a satire of like made for TV movies. And let me preface this with, I do not think that, you know, abuse is funny in any way whatsoever, but I think the joke was about the titles of made-for-TV movies, and the guy, or, or the the alien in it, is wanting to watch them, and he's like, tonight, it's Valerie Bertinelli and Spooning with Anger, <laughs> and then he's like, and then after that, it's Daphne Zuniga and Please, Kevin, Not in the Face, and that's why I messed up on that, because <laughs> I just watched that episode, and it... I don't know. It, it the it, line just don't. You guys up.
1: don't apologize, Nate. It was amazing. It,
2: it, you guys, you guys did dorm the drip blood recently with Daphne Zuniga, right? Yes. On hysteria continues. So. It's it's all
3: it all wraps in. She almost spooned
1: with danger in that film.
3: Oh yes, yes. Oh poor Daphne. (laughs) I want her to talk about that film. I do too. To get off on a tangent here. Me too. Me too. I wish she would. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) I really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, I wasn't sure if I would or not. I knew. uh, Let me just say, and I I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I knew I'd love Lady Killers. I mean, I just knew that was going to (laughs) happen. But I wasn't sure if I was going to like this one or not, since it's more of a, you know, kind of a drama. Um, And to me, to be about male strippers, uh, it's like you said, Amanda, it's not trashy at all. It's Mm -hmm. actually a really good drama. So, like I said, it's a very big recommendation for me. The only thing that, you know, kind of caught me off guard is, uh, like, how quickly the movie wrapped up. And I kind of feel like it should have lasted just a little, maybe about just a little extra five minutes or something. Yeah would have been nice, but. I mean it doesn't take away from the film it's still really good so speaking, that's my two cents.
1: Speaking of it not being trashy one of the things I liked so much about it and some of the critics pointed this out is that it's kind of joyous like the club is really fun like it's a legitimately fun place to go and like everybody's having a good time and the women are having a good time and I mean all the women not just the really attractive women that come and uh, with the exception of the girl who looks like Wendy Jo Berber who's stalking Gregory Harrison through the dance floor do you remember that and then he asked Louise Lance. <laughs> Last her to dance because he's terrified of her, and I felt so bad because Amy had the same problem with Henry on *Bosom Buddies*, and um, and I felt like it was just a replay of that. But in general, although it was like it was just a big party, and um, and it felt like that. And his life had its ups and downs, but when you think about it, I mean, the things he was dealing with were not necessarily life and death. So the film, even though he grows as a character and as a person and learns about himself and blah, 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 all that great stuff that was so wonderful in the film, but it still got a really light touch to it, but not in a way that makes the film insubstantial. It just makes it sort of joyous. Uh, it felt more like a celebration of of the clubs and the things that these men did at the clubs and the way the women embraced it as compared to like a darker side to it, which would be what you would see if it had been a female strip club. I'm almost positive. Um, that would what, have
2: been stripped to kill.
1: Yeah, it would have been horrible. You know, and it, it's interesting the way we look at male strippers and we look at female strippers, but um, the male stripper m- movement, if you want to call it that, has such a... <laughs> different energy to it it's fun it has a kind of like its tongue in its cheek and it knows what it is but but when you think of women strippers i mean if are there any movies that are like that and and maybe there shouldn't be because all you hear about women strip clubs is how horrible they are you know what i mean so it's just interesting it's just interesting the way how how light the touch to this film is um that's all i want to say i'm sorry dan what did you think of it
2: um Okay. well, you guys have convinced me on a few things that I wasn't convinced on after watching this twice over the past three days. Um, The things I love about the film, I love Gregory Harrison, not his character, but I love him. I think he's he's super charming. He's obviously gorgeous. Yes. And and although I will say that. uh, Wait a minute is it the the seventh battle of the network stars with him and randy oaks where they meet each other for the it's first time a,
1: it's, they met on one of those but i obviously don't know that which one
2: i i think it's the seventh which is wait a minute one two three four five six seven end of 1979 the one with greg evigan and bear from bj and the bear and i think um that's the one where they meet and that's that's why i really love uh him and I, uh, the, the other things up, I love Mary Louise. I think she's a great character. I think she's, uh, I find this film to be strangely low energy, even though it has all these montages, I, 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 you know, you hope a montage will boost the film. Um, but there's a, um, there's a early 90s shot of video film called High Kicks, a kung fu film, which is like 90% montage, which never uh, gets a energy up, even though you think it should. And there are moments in this film where there are lots of montages like that, where it's like, OK, so he's he's doing ballet and he's doing this and he's doing that. And it's like, OK, I get it. Here's a, like. I I, I like Gregory Harrison. I like Mary Louise. I like Lee Grant, of Mm, course. Sure. Who who doesn't like Lee Grant? I love Louise Lasser in this. She's she's wonderful. Her scene in this is so... I didn't realize it was going to happen. And when I saw her, I said, is that Louise Lasser a couple years before doing Blood Rage? Oh, my God, it is. Oh, my God, I'm in. Uh, I love Mark Singer in it. Yeah. And i I, th- I like very much that my wife struggling in acting classes in New York City right before I met her and she still struggles, but she we get she gets roles and I struggle with my writing and things like that. so i I, I get what he's up to there. so i it feels very real to me like going to these classes where there are these people who are like, reacting to what you're doing in a way that doesn't make seem to make sense for what you're trying to do i i like that very much the strippers are great they're all great they're all hunky and they're all having a good time and i, I guess that's about it with what i like about this movie i i watched it twice the first time i thought it was Neh. the second time it bothered me and that's because wait a minute I don't like the John Phillips character. And I know you, when you guys were talking just now, you you warmed me to him a little bit. But there's something about him where he comes to the town and he has this attitude of, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be the best. And every t- – what I wrote it down here. What is it? Ah, crap. What is it? It's um – um. Oh, here it is. I'm sorry. I wrote it here. It's an informed attribute. Every time we hear about him from someone, they say, oh, you're so talented. You're so good.
1: No, not necessarily, because like when he's reading uh, with Mary Louise for the agent guy, he's like, well, he's fine, but she's good.
2: Yeah, well, well, what it is is the people who matter to us in the movie – say he's good
1: well of course they do because everybody's charmed by him because look at him and and because because he does these things without judgment he sleeps with this girl before he knows her name he has sex with this divorced woman he he has sex with lee grant he has a weekend with lee grant expecting it to mean something and surprised when it it doesn't doesn't.
0: yeah yeah yeah, and and
1: and he treats patty davis really well and so um they do see what they're seeing in him is him so okay, so this is a tangent, but it's gonna make sense. Okay. Sure, sure, so sure, sure. there's this episode of California Dreams, which is like one of my all-time <laughs> favorite shows, and don't judge, I fucking love that show and I have three <laughs> CDs of music from the show. And you know, if you don't know familiar with the show, it was a kind of a ripoff of Say by the Bell, and it's about this band in California and Jake, who was the lead singer, um, needed, they needed a female lead singer, and I can't remember why, and, um, his girlfriend wanted to audition, Lorena De La Costa, and so, um, he's like, okay, and they were like, I don't know, Jake, I don't think that's a very good idea, she's your girlfriend, and he's like, no, come on, let's just give her a shot, so she shows up in this beautiful, like, floor-length black dress, she's really rich, the character, and she looks fucking amazing, and, What he sees is the girl that he's been dating, right? This beautiful, wonderful woman, because Lorena de la Costa is very cool. And she gets up on stage, and she's the worst singer ever. And they're all kind of, like, very uncomfortable. And then the audition's over, and one of them starts to say, we're sorry, and Jake says, you're in. That was so good. And he can't see or hear how she sounds to other people because that's how he, he sees her differently, and that's mm-hmm. the whole point of that episode, right? And okay. um, and so I think when you're talking about how uh, they they have faith in John because what they see in John is something that's not necessarily his talent, but something that's inside of John mm-hmm. is what I'm saying.
2: Uh, having lived with an an actress for,
1: but not John,
2: over but not John for yes. over fifteen years. These are years. different people. I, I, I know that, like in the movie, I've I've notated it over and over again where people say you're so talented you're so talented but did you see him doing Richard III? But
1: that's the that whole point. Other people that tell was- him that's the way makes Gregory Harrison such a good actor. And I don't think everybody's telling him he's wonderful. I think his friends are telling him he's wonderful. But every time he auditions, they're like, you're fine. And that guy on Broadway was like, you know, that was pretty good for a male stripper, but I wouldn't hire you. And and it wasn't like, oh, you're great, but I'm not going to hire you because you're a male stripper. It's like, you're a male stripper, and that's a mark against you. And also, you're just an okay actor. I think other people are telling him he's only okay. I think okay. the circle, That's the, I mean, you could rewind. It, but I'm positive that he gets told no, over think, and over again that he's no, fine and he's okay. But
2: what? No, you're you're ab- you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, as I think about it, because everyone who says you're so talented, you're so talented, are all the kind of people who like him for being Gregory Harrison, as it were. I, I hadn't thought about that because I was just writing it down as because uh, my notes are every time someone says he's super talented he's just done something that isn't talented at all
1: that's that's why i think Gregory harrison's performance is so good because he can play a bad actor but like if you look at all the people in powerful positions he he's all he's not bad he's not bad what does that
2: mean that what does that mean then if if the people who are in the positions of power are saying no you're not good and the people who are like Mm, I'd like to spend an evening with Gregory Harrison. Well, that's too. That's sane.
1: that's interesting because we're talking about sort of high art and low art, and not we're not wow, really talking okay. about that. But we're talking about like <laughs> oh, I did. But you know what I mean? We're talking about like what people yes. think, like people in positions of power, what they think people want to see, and then we've got the regular people who are saying this is what I want to see. Oh, my but he, thank you,
2: Amanda. He, yeah,
1: he, he wow. under, I don't know if you're being sarcastic, but what I mean is like
2: no, no, like, no, no. You because I, I I wrote down a whole bunch of my notes are like every time he acts he's awful. I
1: don't think he's and, awful but, but I don't think he's great uh, I,
2: I, yeah I think he's pretty bad but mo- but like, at
1: the but end I, of the film at the end of the film you know he's got a very small part and it's like he's well dead. with no pun intended but the whole point is that because there's no small part in Gregory Harrison trust me on this uh, but like please. he's 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 he understands that he has to work hard.
2: Except for on his craft. No, my last I'm sorry, my last note is when he there there's a moment at the end where after all is said and done, he is at a uh I don't know if it's a community theater kind of thing, but he's at a a play, a performance, and he has the part of a guy who delivers a telegram. Yes. And he delivers it to the two characters, or clearly the main characters, and he delivers it, and he says, here's your telegram. And he turns around, and in his best acted moment, he just kind of throws off, I hope it's good news. I I didn't do that right because I'm not an actor, but he says that line and that's his best line as an actor in the movie that's because i think
1: we're talking about a guy who's building up himself to be a star and he understands that being a star is different than being an actor and so and so he realizes he has to kind of like eschew the stripping world and and then actually work on his craft but i don't think it's i don't think anybody ever says you're like the most amazing actor ever that that is any position to put him in anything
2: yeah I, i think you're right i'm sorry yeah that at the end of it it's like as i'm looking at my notes here all the all the people who say you're so talented you're so this are his um, boosters his friends yes exactly so well that, that and that's what you want and so and I, I think I think that moment his um, I hope it's good news shows to me that I think there's something there if he if he buckles down uh, and does it but I it's like and here's the thing like I I wasn't a big fan of this movie. Um, I, I found it um, having having a wife who is a struggling actor and myself is a struggling writer. I, I'm, I'm with it and I'm like, eh, I, whatever, you know, I, it didn't really super grab me. But the stripper stuff, the moment he began stripping, I thought, oh, that's your calling. That's what you should. Do. That's
1: your column, baby. But,
2: but but the movie presents it as in the end, as it's like an after-school special. It's like no, you shouldn't. Do
1: yeah, this. it kind of it kind but of overly moralizes I mean, itself at the end, and it shouldn't do that.
2: But but it doesn't give a. It, okay. it, it's like it has a. It, it it presents itself at the end, and I guess we can talk about the end. But it presents itself as here's why this is wrong or like here's the lesson behind why you shouldn't be a male stripper but there's no lesson there there's nothing there because when the thing happens the last night when mark singer's character goes out and he's high on coke and there's a raid by the cops gregory harrison's character gets out of there through like chicanery
1: well because he's dressed up like a cop they don't even realize he's he's not that he's a stripper
2: exactly the moment it happens you're like wait a minute you 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 base this in so much sort of as much as you could sort of a reality but he gets out of it through something that like Buster Keaton would have done in 1924 you know it's like what
1: well I think that there was so much chaos in the club that he just fell through the cracks because I don't think they were like looking looking I think they were just trying to get everybody that was left in the club and they just saw the suit and they were like whatever he's a cop let's just keep going
2: i think it's super fun why did the cops uh, at the end of the 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 uh movie folks the cops raid the club and to me cops raid clubs where they're strippers because it's 1945
1: yeah um, i just i figured I, it had to do with drugs it, i would imagine mark singer wasn't the only person doing drugs in the club
2: Okay all right is it drugs and possibly like um solicitation Uh, That's possible
1: because they were kind of soliciting themselves at Lee Grant's party.
2: Uh, So
1: that is, or at least they were, uh, Lee Grant was under the assumption that they were, they were going to pay, she was going to pay them. So yeah, yeah, that's possible too. But I I kind of am under the impression that some of it just was like drug use. Drug
2: related. And also
1: like, and also like it was controversial to have a strip club and I wouldn't be surprised if they just did it to do it. You know what I mean? It's it's a whole moral panic shit. It's like, it's like we're going to have a bunch of people in there that we can find them for different things and make a ton of money and. You know what I mean?
2: Um, it, well, it's funny to me because it, I I just think it's like this is the the center of New York City in 1981. You know, it's like wasn't there so much crazy stuff happening there?
1: There was, you know, but, but I mean, so, they, they used to rate Kim's video for illegal videos.
2: Oh, sure. So yeah. I okay.
1: mean, they'll raid a strip club, I'm sure.
2: Right. yeah okay so yeah that would well, cuz that's when the movie end the movie ends with a big yeah the raid and they're taken out and gregory harrison's character is dressed as a cop and mark singer's character overdoses oh, or he he uh, yeah he he um yeah he does and he dies and um, Gregory Harrison's character uh, goes on, and he's in this play as this guy delivering a telegram. And it's
1: okay. He <laughs> it goes from one to the other somehow. But what's yeah. so interesting about John is that he's this guy from Iowa who really has no judgments on anybody, even though this is a whole new world to him, like all that drug use and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's the way he treats Mark Singer is really cool in the whole film. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's never like, yeah. oh don't do that or like whatever but um i really like their relationship
2: the the thing is yeah, like mark singer uh does his final overdose oh. because he loses the competition
1: yeah and his earlier. last dance is so upsetting
2: yeah it's, it's
1: embarrassing fine. i'm, I'm so. embarrassed for for stanley yeah
2: so so i get i guess at the end of the day my thoughts on for ladies only is i understand completely what it's doing but I don't fully like what it's doing. That's fine. But I guess we go into the Lady Killers, okay. which I have more uh, positive things to say.
1: Um, I have background.
2: Oh, please.
1: Um, I can't believe you didn't love this movie, so you're not coming on the next show, just <laughs> so you sorry. know. <laughs> Nate and I have fired gone, you.
2: folks. Talk to you later. <laughs>
1: we're only going to do male stripper TV movies from here on out, which is going to be really difficult because these are the only two I know of. But... Um, for Ladies Only, as Dan said, ran on November 9th, 1981 on NBC. It ran against, on ABC, Monday Night Football, which was the Buffalo Bills versus the Dallas Cowboys. Um, it ran on um, on CBS was uh, MASH, House Calls, and Lou Grant, which is probably what I ended up watching that night um harrison was already popular as gonzo gates on trapper john and he started catalina productions with franklin r levy um who actually used to be his manager and who was also producer um he may have gotten the name of his production company from um his uh when he met jason Robards. so harrison when he was a struggling actor was actually performing on catalina island and jason Robards happened to come to a play he was in and gave him a little pep talk and told him to follow his dream and so i kind of wondered if catalina productions was a tie to that i don't know he pitched for ladies only with only a pick of him half naked and wet which i would love to see that photo if anybody has it um he said he had no real story but was given a 3.5 million dollar budget which i think is awfully high and then that's contradicted in an earlier newspaper interview he did where he said that they've had very little money to make the film um this the 3.5 million dollar budget came in an interview he did recently about the film. Um, he also claimed that it was the highest rated TV movie ever, which is not true as well. Um, he, it did rank number 36 for the 81, 82 season with a 20, um, slash 30 rating, which means, uh, it played in 20 million households, uh, representing 30% of America. Um, and it was part of November sweep. Catalina productions would go on to produce several TVMs and Harrison's, uh, Second production was The Hasty Heart, which was actually based on a play that he was performing in around the time he was making for Ladies Only. The reason why some of the male strippers were so good is because they were actually professionals. This was John Riley's first produced script, and he apparently did four months of sexy research to get it right. So he he did the whole club scene, and he read a lot of magazine articles and things like that. So he did a lot of prepping before he wrote the script. Um, Mel Dansky is a prolific director, and Dan has already talked about him. He's a teacher now, uh, or off and on. He's taught at places like AFI. Um, Harrison said a lot of the story was based on his own personal experiences. Um, he had actually been asked to do porn a lot when he was kind of a struggling actor. They were like, well, you know, why don't you do this to make a little money? So he changed that to stripping and, uh, but kept the same idea of like the struggle of the actor. Uh, as I said earlier, this was Patty Davis's, uh, TV movie debut and she, she got the most acclaim of all the actors in the reviews. Um, The film itself was very well received, uh, and like I said, people noted the joy of the club scenes in the film, um, and they liked that Harrison was a pretty affable character. Uh, The film was shot in both New York and Atlanta. The club scenes were shot in Atlanta, and to get female extras, they advertised it as Gonzo Gates, Gregory Harrison, needs extras to watch him strip. He said the extras were wonderful and kept the energy going through 16-hour shoots. And as I said earlier, he said Magic Mike was inspired by For Ladies Only. And that's my background. There's a lot of background on this film as compared to a lot of other TV movies we talk about. I think because Gregory Harrison starred in it at the height of his popularity and because he was a producer. So when he was being interviewed... About it, First of all, it's a scandalous topic, so of course people are interested in writing about it. But I think the fact that he worked on the film as both a filmmaker and as an actor, he was able to provide a little bit more insight on the film than a lot of other interviews do. Um, And for that, I'm grateful. Uh, And it looks like we've got two thumbs up and one, uh, it's okay. Is that right, Dan?
2: I wouldn't watch it again, but I'm glad I watched it. Okay.
1: So, okay, good. All right, so let's move on to Lady Killers. So it was hard to find. There's no promo spots for either one of these, although there are Lady Killer trailers in other languages. I couldn't find one in English, so I thought instead I would just play one of the songs, um, which Jack, our friend Jack on Twitter, mentioned um, in the feedback and also on Twitter. So let's just uh, move over to Lady Killers after this.
2: I will say this is one of the few films we've talked about that is not in one of the Merrill books that I have because my Merrills ended eighty-six. So I am I am relying on several pages of nonsense that I've written here. So, Lady Killers, written by Greg Danello, directed by Robert Lewis. All right. So the way we begin this one is we actually begin with a strange credit sequence that involves um, lots of candles and a strange image behind the candles that you can't quite make out and it uh, there's a there's a a man's voice like going (gasps) (sighs) or something like that and you think "Hmm, sexiness possibly we then see Mary Lou Henner and what is his name Kavanaugh Yes, it's Lieutenant Flannery, played by oh, Mary Lou Henders. That's
1: it. I can and, never remember her character's name. I remember yes. Kavanaugh, but I can never remember her name.
2: <laughs> it's Kavanaugh, played by a gentleman whose name that Amanda, and maybe Nate might remember, but I can not c- c- Calabro.
1: Thomas Calabro.
2: Oh, right.
3: So, oh, so, okay.
2: <laughs> so they're in bed, and they've had a lovely time of it, and they are... They're one of those couples that they they hang out with each other, they have a little nookie. And then they have after after investigating the deaths of male strippers, they have conversations like this.
0: Do you know how beautiful you are? I know how beautiful you are. Sometimes when we're in bed together I look at you and you are so beautiful. It hurts. It really hurts. I love you, Flannery. You know that. Do you? What do you mean to hear from me? I want to live with you. It's time. And if you don't stop playing with that wine glass, I am going to strangle you. <laughs> you drive me crazy. Do I? So? Take it easy. Slow down. Don't rush the good things. I never rush the good things. Check. (laughs) He's so
1: funny.
2: (laughs) Well, he doesn't rush the good things, but does he? Oh, my God. He's
1: funny like Scarlett Johansson.
2: (laughs) He well, this is one of the few scenes where he doesn't suddenly burst into anger. So, which is awesome. So we we got to enjoy that. So what happens is we uh, this is this is a I want to say it's sort of a TV movie slasher, but it's because of the number of killings, it's all uh, almost more of a Jalo. Mm, probably, yeah, uh, but and. And and what happens is, and Nate, feel free to jump in if I'm if I'm stepping over slash your Giallo boundaries here. What what happens is, we meet a bunch of characters. We go to an ad agency where there's a, a woman uh, who is uh, Lady Killers is the name of the strip club, and she is she has this four pronged, and this is long after Freddy Krueger. She has this four pronged claw that she's cutting stuff in the, I don't understand graphic design and in, in this, this lady killers logo. And um, uh, is it, is it Susan Blakely? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. who it is? Okay. It's the I'm mom sorry, from Koei Call Girl. Yes. Um, and she is the head. And when I say head, yeah, huge, huge, huge hair. Oh, I was thinking um, something else. Oh, well, uh, uh, would you like to tell us? Would you? No, no. We'll get to that. I have a clip of it. Okay. All right. So, um, she is the head of this ad agency, uh, ad, a publicity, a publicity marketing kind of place. And this woman, uh, this kind of frumpy woman, is is drawing up this lady killers. And and she goes to her and says, "That looks so great." And we're going to bring in Morgana. Morgana.
0: <laughs> really? Yes.
2: Uh, that's the best. That's the best name ever. That's like. Yes. That's like. It's it's like I just think it's like I I love the King Arthur legends so Morgana <laughs> let's bring her back. But she know, um, she more- does she
1: says things like this. My clientele will devour him. I mean, it's the most perfect performance ever.
2: <laughs> it is, and and so Morgana is going to show up and talk to this woman about how she designs the things with this um, claw thingy i don't know what it is it's a it's a, it's a i guess is what ad people use in 88 89 so so she's doing that so we get them and then we meet morgana who is who is at the uh what the heck is it am oh, i gonna folks. have to help
1: you with this dan because we've already no, talked, we've talked about graphic art design tools longer than anybody's ever talked about them on a podcast about movies
2: here, here's the thing this one is one of the few movies, like I said, that is not in Merrill. Well, what do you so need Meryl to
1: understand the story? It's about uh, do, so, a chick in a teen at Turner Wig who's stabbing male strippers while they're performing on stage.
2: I got it. So, music by Mark Snow. Yes, of the X Files, which is incredible. So, so what happens is we go to the um, we go to the strip club. So we go to Lady Killers. And they're the first guy who comes out to me, he's dancing to uh, Beds Are Burning, the Midnight mm. I
1: know, song. that song isn't that song about the oppression of Aboriginal people in Australia?
2: It is. Yes. And the guy looks like Sammy Kerr from Yes, uh, I love Tree. this guy.
1: He looks like Fabio to me. Like he looks like somebody you'd see <laughs> on a romance novel.
2: Yes. And so he's out there and he's dancing and the ladies are going crazy. And Morgana, who's the lead lady, is looking down on them and it's craziness and there's all this stuff going on. And we see right before the stripping begins, we see a hunky guy singing glamour glamour boys? Is it, is yeah, it yeah? It's boys. A Living
1: Colors Glamour Boys. In
2: a shower in a shower in an LA mansion up on the hills. I'm down at the bottom myself, so I can look at the hills. Um, uh, he's up in the hill and he's in a shower seeing glamour boys, and someone comes in and begins to strangle him. <gasps> and it it is the head of the ad agency whose name I didn't write down. Oh my gosh, Dane, Diane, no, I, um, I didn't write her name down. I'm just going to call the head of the ad agency. You can just call Susan um,
1: Blakely.
2: Susan Blakely, I'll call Susan Blakely. So Susan Blakely is strangling I'm like, you slept with one of the. He's a stripper. He's the headlining stripper at Lady Killers, and she says you slept with one of them, and he's like, well, you got to keep him <laughs> happy. And and she's like, no, you don't. You don't need to do that. Stop <laughs> Wait, is she is she from Welcome Back, Cotter? Because she's everything. She's, okay, <laughs> Susan Blakely in this movie is everything. She is.
1: That was a pretty good impression, though, of
2: Vinnie Like she's got
1: Susan Up Blakely. Up your nose here. with a rubber hose, mail stripper. <laughs> <laughs> so she,
2: so she, um, so she's there, and she says, uh, "Yeah, you." you you, you can't do this again. So he goes off, and this hunky guy does his thing. So we get the big um, to-do. And there we'll talk about the ladies going into the club after the the um, synopsis here. But there are tons of ladies in there, and they're all, woo, woo, woo. And he's the headliner, the guy in the shower. And he comes out, and he's doing his thing. And we get suddenly a, a, a woman who is half the woman who gets killed at the beginning of Las Vegas bloodbath.
1: Yes, yes,
2: yes. That, that, that he, where, where the guy puts her head in the the car seat next to him, like bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia and half Bobby from heavy metal massacre. Um, and Tina Turner. Oh, Oh, Tina, Tina Turner, Tina, Tina Turner, <laughs> Tina <Sorry>. Turner, Tina. <laughs> Tina Turner also – I'm sorry, I was – I, I jump my word sometimes. Tina Turner also has a this four-pronged claw, which resembles the claw – the the tool, device that, that scraped the Lady Killer's logo earlier, scratches this guy in his chest, and he dies.
1: Okay, so here's the part. Is this – The one, is this, is, I can't remember if it's this one or the next attack where the woman runs up on stage and she says, I'm a doctor.
0: And and how many
1: women do you think pretended they were doctors just so they could touch the male stripper? (laughs) Like after they got to, oh, I'm a doctor, guys. Oh. I. Oh, your you shoulders! Your shoulders seem okay.
2: When this when this woman did it, I was actually convinced that she was a doctor. <laughs> oh, I think she was. I think no. she was.
1: But I mean, my clever ploy would have been, "Oh, hey, stand back, everybody! I'm a doctor." Oh, yeah, let me rub that. I'm for a you.
2: doctor, and when you run up, it's like I'm a doctor of English literature. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so so um, this guy dies. Oh, and so sad!
1: So, I love Gary Hudson. Do you remember him in Roadhouse?
2: Yes. Yeah. He's, I recognize him and I was like, Oh, that guy. I love that guy.
1: He's a great actor.
2: Yeah. He's fun. He's fun. Lieutenant Flannery is called in and, uh, she is actually, here's the thing. The guy she was sleeping with is a rookie in the police force. Kavanaugh. He's there in the office nearby in, in the, in the floor, not the office, but like the floor nearby and the captain who is Captain Douchery. Oh, whatever. I don't know yeah, what his yeah. name. Nobody knows his name. It's William Lucking, I, I think, is the actor. Is Captain Buchholz. Oh, yeah, uh, that's right. William Lucking. He says, you need to hook up with this guy and go. So Lieutenant Flannery and Rookie Kavanaugh, I don't know, police Kavanaugh, I don't know what it is at that stage. They go to the uh, scene of the murder. And there's some tension there but they go there and they investigate it it's like okay what's going on this guy got killed okay and they begin to interrogate the suspects morgana um susan blakely there is one weird woman in the crowd who sees something and runs away and she we see her get home and her husband says how was your evening a bridge she's like oh it was fine I just saw something weird at this club called Lady Killers. A guy got killed. Oh, really? She was at that club. So there's this weirdness about what's going on there. Uh, what happens is that guy dies. So Flannery and Kavanaugh and all these other cops, and we'll talk about all the other cops, begin to investigate him. And the next evening, Morgana comes out to all the guys and says, and points out one of them who needs to be the lead stripper for the evening because the lead stripper is dead.
1: Okay. What have you decided? Who's doing Michael's (laughs) finale?
0: Morgana. None of us wants to do it. Why? (laughs) What are you afraid of? We're not afraid, exactly. But but what? But out of respect for Michael can't we do the other finale?
1: you can have all the respect for Michael you want
0: on your own time Bobby, you've just been promoted the finale is yours please Morgana I don't feel like it really I don't relax Morgana I'll do it now run along I I wouldn't want you to see me getting dressed. <laughs> <Ooh. Hello>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh yeah!
2: <laughs> I, I want you to keep doing that. That's
0: what I'm
2: Morgana? That's her name? Really? Uh, but so she, she – the, the, the stripping continues because apparently the ladies really love <laughs> the fact that someone was killed. <laughs> and someone is attacked again, and, and Flannery and Kevin are there, and they, they, they save him, but they don't catch the killer. Flannery says, OK, unorthodox, but I'm Mary Lou Henner, and you're going to go with me on this. And I looked at her and I said – and I, I dropped my pants. I was like, I'm, I'm in. Um, but she said no to me, unfortunately. I don't even um, know what you're
1: talking about, Dan.
2: But uh, f- she says, we need someone to be a stripper. And they pick <laughs> Kavanaugh. Oh, I get it. Okay. They pick Kavanaugh. Why do they pick Kavanaugh? He may not be the best actor. He definitely may not be the best uh, actor. no 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 no
1: no 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 but, no
2: no! But, but, but guess what?
1: Guess what? Guess what? No no no! Guess what? My clientele will <laughs> devour him. By the way, this is going off the rails. So one quick question: Are you drinking, Dan?
2: Oh, uh, I had a little.
1: Yeah, I can tell.
2: Oh my gosh! Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Kavanaugh was picked up as the. Uh, brought on as a male stripper as Casanova so, Kavanaugh, Casanova Cavanaugh and he's brought on and he's has like top hat and bow tie and he's looking good he's a little a ponytail
1: little ponytail
2: yes and he's looking real good yes and he comes on and so as he's stripping and Susan Blakely comes on and tries to seduce him and he almost falls for her wares in her beautiful house but he doesn't and he he gets out of there. And they they haul Susan Blakely in, and um, Lieutenant Flannery sits down with her and has a chat with her.
0: You said you weren't at the club when Michael was killed. True or false? True. So where were you? I was driving home, I got a ticket, all right? What happened with Michael bugged me, if you must know. So I went back to the club for a little company. And that's when you claim Zach saw you. I mean, after the killing. Yes. Well, this ticket, um, do you happen to have it with you? As a matter of fact, I don't. Uh Uh-huh. Well, why don't you tell me where it is, and I can send an officer to go pick it up.
1: As a matter of fact, it was, well, it... It wasn't an actual written ticket, actually,
2: it was...
0: So you lied again? Garcia! No, I didn't mean... Um, check out a traffic ticket or a warning or something that uh, Miss Corbett claims to have received last week at the time of the killing. It was where?
2: Mulholland.
4: Mulholland.
0: That was close, Miss Corbett. Very close. Were you stopped by an officer, yes or no? Yes. Did he give you a ticket or a warning? A warning. Was it verbal or written? Can I explain? No. Describe the officer. What did he look like? It was dark. I didn't notice. And I, um,
2: talked to him gently and sort of, um,
0: get it? I get it. Yeah. So,
1: uh, what I don't understand is, and let's take a poll talk too gently. Did she jack him off or go down on him, oh.
3: Nate? Ooh. Hmm. Huh. <laughs> I think she just gave him an HJ.
1: <laughs> wow, an HJ. <laughs> I've never heard of call that before. <laughs> so, Dan, what do you think?
2: I you know to be honest when I was watching it I just thought she um just smooth talked him
1: oh I thought it was oral
2: oh man oh oh wait a minute did I say smooth talk I meant blowjob yeah same thing I'm sorry same thing okay
1: yeah it's it's the same thing it's how we all talk to men but uh <laughs> gently anyway um yeah every time I see that scene I always assume it's oral but then i was thinking maybe it's something else so i thought i'd ask Hmm. so sorry nate it's a bj not a hj
3: (laughs) no i'm overruled (laughs) you are
2: (laughs) so so let's uh we can wrap this up real quick so um can we (laughs) oh gosh can we i don't even i don't even know where we are right now i don't either I, i i've lost track of where we are so um so he's stripping and oh fun okay so he's stripping, and it turns out that she is um, not lying. She actually got that ticket. She didn't so get the what, ticket.
1: She, she got out of the ticket.
2: Oh, she got out of the ticket. Yeah, they front. found the cop, um, and he,
1: he basically confirmed that they spent time together.
2: Yes. So, so what happens is we get near the end, and they, they interview the woman who was slashing the ads – and yeah. she's very... Um, <laughs> she's like red. Bernadette
1: Peters on acid.
2: Yeah, she's really weird. She's really weird. She was on and The Golden so, Girl.
1: She played a nun. Go ahead.
2: Oh, so what happens is it? it's sort of, and I'll stop right before the ending, but what happens here is our main guy, he goes to uh, do a little um, rehearsal because on Monday night they're closed. And so on Monday night he goes and he's got his outfit on. He's dressed like Fred Astaire, but uh, a much bulkier Fred Astaire, possibly not as graceful. as No, Fred he's Astaire. not a very
1: good dancer. I'll give you that one.
2: No, no. Uh, and so he's there and he begins dancing. And suddenly this strange person with a big wig and stuff shows up.
1: Yes. Uh, you should mention, though, that, Flann- you're gonna mention that Flannery meets with that woman that was at the club after the first murder. And she has a general idea of who that person um, is because she I'm recognized sorry, I'm her. Sorry, yep. I feel like I feel like yes, I wanna do I this forgot. over. I feel like I wanna do this over, but but we're this far, Dan. We're this far.
2: No, 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 no. There's a <laughs> deep throat style scene where the woman earlier on who was there yeah, I just said and that doesn't want to tell yes. Um <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. and, and she she meets up with um I'm sorry, Lieutenant Flannery in a parking garage, deep throw style, and and says, um, Oh my gosh, I know who this is and I, I feel like this is this is spoiler stuff, but I know who this is and this, that and the yeah, other. Yeah, she thing. goes
1: background on the killer and then and then it all yes. starts to make more sense. But I don't know that Flannery really pieced it together, but she decides to go to the club. She must have pieced it together, and um, and then all hell breaks loose, and that's where we'll yes, leave it. All
2: hell breaks loose. Yeah, all El- hell El- El- breaks loose. The club, and there's the the there's that room with the candles. Yes, takes over sort of in the end of it, and it's um, I'm gonna i I'm, I'll end my chat here. Where <laughs> really, he is, he is pulled into the the room with the candles and flannery has to free him from there so yes we'll stop there
1: okay so that was the craziest synopsis i think you've ever done i'm not Sorry. quite sure how oh, much sense well, it made the male that's, the, the it's part, a
2: crazy movie though the I part think.
1: where they're auditioning for male strippers i didn't even understand until like 20 seconds in but um so just to just to synopsize it again is what i said earlier it's just basically about a strip female male strip club where the the killer is a bold enough to kill the person while they're performing on stage with this kind of claw thing that she has, dressed up in a muumuu and a Tina Turner wig. And so Kavanaugh and Flannery, who are having a sort of romance, but secretly have to partner up together to find the killer, and Kavanaugh gets roped into being the male stripper that becomes the prime target by the end of the film. That's essentially what the film is. That sounds, you're right, it's a really crazy movie. So what I synopsized there, it takes like, the full 90 minutes to even play out properly. But it's a fairly linear story. It's pretty by the books, like nobody's trying to reinvent the wheel with this film. But, but what they get right is the high camp factor this movie whether it's intentional or not is one of the campiest things I've ever seen the dialogue is yes. delicious it is yes. delicious um, the male strip scenes are really fun because they're really over the top where as in for ladies only it felt pretty authentic this film it's crazy like, like he was saying they're sing- they're stripping to beds are burning which is a highly political song <laughs> that nobody should ever strip to I mean it's a good song it's got to beat everything but don't strip to it And, um, and, but there's some real good music and they're like, pump up the volume is an amazing song. And that's a pretty good dance number song. And I think that that black guy that dances to that, I think he may be a dancer in real life because he's got some good moves um in those crazy fur boots that he's wearing. And uh, by the way, the costumes are crazy. They're crazy. And Leslie Ann Down as Morgana is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life. She's like Joan Collins. If Joan Collins dropped like a five tabs of acid and decided that she would run a strip club, that's exactly how she plays it. And every word is a purr. And it's so meticulous in its sort of over-the-top Delicious delivery, and Susan Blakely is right behind her. Um, there's this really great scene where Flannery goes to meet um, S- Susan Blakely's character, and she says, "Oh, Miss Corbett, here's Mrs. Corb or something. She's just call me Miss. I'm a simple girl." And then. Flannery's like I can see that, and they have this real catty right off the bat demeanor with each other, and um, and Flannery doesn't take any prisoners. She is very serious about her job to the point where she makes a lot of mistakes with her relationship with Kavanaugh, but but she's she will interrogate any. And by the way, speaking of that Bernadette Peters character, when they go to the um, the advertising place, the, the the office, and she's looking for the tool or she's using it or what she's using it, and that older cop with the gray hair who I think was in Moonlight Sinatra, with Craig Wasson um, comes in and <laughs> and he's and he just starts interrogating her like she's a murderer like like he's fingered her as the culprit. Do you know what I'm talking about? And he's like he's like, well, that's quite an instrument you're using. And she's already on edge, right? And she's like, well, it's a graphic arts tool. But then he's like, can you use that for murder? So this movie is a brain melter, is what it is. It's a brain melter. It's very late '80s uh, aesthetically speaking. It's really low budget. Like I was saying, when we were talking about for ladies only. It's super static. There's not the only scenes where there's people. Well, there's people in the police station, but um, it's really like they shot it in back alleys <laughs> in like really close yeah. sets, and you can I- feel the theatrics of it. It doesn't feel real, which is good for the kind of fever dream film that it is. But um, but it's it's like it's making the most of what it has. But I feel like the actors got a very serious script, and then we're like. Oh, fuck this. This is ridiculous. Let's just go for it. You know what I mean? And they just did it that way. So um, that's – I guess my thoughts on it are I think it's the most amazing film ever made. I've seen it like 5,000 times. The first time I saw it, I was actually living in a hotel. This is another Amanda admits. What?
2: Yes. Well, this is. Let's hear this Amanda story. I was I
1: living in a hotel. I was just waiting for this apartment to open and I had moved from Vegas to Orange County and I was living with this guy who turned out to be a horrible, horrible person. And we were living in a hotel room together and – I was really young. I was really young. And so, like, going out into the world was kind of terrifying to me because I didn't know Orange County at all. And I can't even remember where in Orange County we were at the time. Near near, Long—near—oh, fuck. I can't—Huntington Beach, but not in Huntington Beach yet because that's where I ended up living. So he would go to work. He had this crazy job, which we can talk about in another episode, I'm sure. And and he would be gone most of the day. And so what this hotel room had was HBO— and so I would sit in the dark for and I did this for like two weeks and I would just watch movies on HBO and they played all kinds of stuff. Like do you remember that movie Arena with the alien movie with Paul Satterfield? That's like the wrestling film with the aliens wrestling Paul Satterfield. It's like a it's like a oh, yeah. it's like a full moon movie, I think or something. Uh-huh. They played stuff like that all day and um and they played Lady Killers. And and that was the first time I saw it. And I loved it. It would have been, like, 93, maybe. Maybe earlier than that, 92. And uh, so the movie wasn't that old yet. And um, I was I was blown away by it. I just thought it was the weirdest, craziest, most fun film I'd ever seen. And I loved the stripping. I thought it was hilarious. I loved Thomas Calabro. Um, this would have been pre-Melrose Place, I think. So I really... No, 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 no. Yeah, maybe it was. I can't remember exactly, but anyways, right around the time I was discovering that actor, and um, and of course I fell in love with him. and um, and I just thought it was really fun. And so I found the VHS at some point, and I've just I've watched it endlessly over the years. I never get tired of watching it. I think it's fantastic, and and I don't, I I mean it's over the top. It's not a good film in the traditional sense, but it's a great film in so many other ways, and it should not be discounted for the fact that it's not a good film in a regular way um and i'll just leave it at that and i'll ask nate what he thinks of it
3: i think the woman that was falsely accused was absolutely hilarious <laughs>
1: she was
3: because i'm just thinking like her screams and then she's like i'm so embarrassed i'll never come here again
1: that's you right know, that's like, right. she
3: says that so they'll let her go that she'll <laughs> never come back
1: she's the best just that wig it looks like a man in drag
3: yeah it's an awful wig oh it's awful so good, um, but that's what makes it good. And as soon as I saw Morgana, all I could think about was that Alexis Carrington. That's yes. all I could think about. Yes. Like it's it's her character is so Alexis to me. Like it's it's like over the top. Her hair is over the top. I mean, and even like her scene in the beginning where the one guy slams her into the mirror. It's all over dramatic.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. I'm like that scene
3: could have happened in Dynasty.
1: Yes. Her freak out's really good. Like, she's hysterical by
3: the time he leaves. Oh, my goodness. She's amazing. But when I think of Morgana, I think of Elvira's aunt because I saw <laughs> Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, yeah, so and her good. aunt that died was named Morgana. <laughs>
1: I always think of this movie... I mean, it's not like I hear the name Morgana a lot. I think the last time I really heard it was in that movie Sorceress with Julie Strain. Have you guys ever
3: seen that? I've seen that. So it, good. Is Linda Blair oh, in that yeah. one too? Yeah, it?
1: Linda Blair's in it. I don't yeah. think any of the characters are named Morgana, but I feel like the, one of the actresses is named Morgana. Or maybe it's Sorceress 2. I feel like one of the like girls who does nudity in the film, her, her acting name is Morgana. I'll,
3: I'll have a look. You guys yeah. chat. I'll okay. And I want to say that during the um, strip scene at the police station... Uh, they needed the policemen to strip, not all just take their shirts off and that's it. I was so disappointed. <laughs> I was like, are they not going to well, strip, strip? Did I you want to
1: see fine. any of those guys without their clothes on? Well, there were a
3: couple at least.
1: Well, you're checking them out. Because I was just thinking they, about... too bad. By the way, the Mexican cop, Garcia, was also on the Golden Girls. So now we've got the lady that worked at the advertising agency. And the cop were both on the Golden Girls. And I just want to point that out. But like... Um, um, the cop and his partner are, like, giggling girls. Like, their humor is so third grade, you know, when they're teasing her about Kavanaugh and stuff. It's – I just don't want to see them naked. They're like little kids to me. That's all.
3: Well, I mean, there's a ton of cops up there stripping. There
1: though. is. But I guess I, my all my my eyes were on Garcia the whole time because he was on the Golden Girls.
3: Oh, yeah. I wasn't really looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I love the Golden Girls.
4: Yes. But, it's,
3: yeah, that, my mom my didn't go um, – I guess in that area, I will say that without spoiling it, I did guess who the killer was correctly. Yeah, uh, but there's not a whole lot of suspects. But I, I love the scene at the end where, um, you know, one character uh, like the they're around a desk, and the killer is like menacing one character, like going to one side of the desk and the other side, and the character on the other side of the desk finally just flips the whole thing over on the killer. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. It was just like, well, fine. You can go let me around this desk. I'll flip it over <laughs> on you. But no, I loved the characters and I love, uh, Mary Lou Henner because no matter what was going, no matter how over the top this film is, like she is like very serious. She plays this role very straight. It's like, you know, she took it very seriously. And that I love that. Yeah. Because she, I think it really adds to the film.
1: I think she quits herself really well. Like, um, Everybody is so super late eighties, but I feel like I could put on anything Mary Lou Hanner was wearing in the film, and do my hair like that, and I would be okay. Like people wouldn't point at me and laugh.
3: Yeah, I agree.
1: She had this. She was like the everyman in the film. You know what I mean? Like I guess she was, but but like her style was so good, and it was it was so hard to look at that, and then look at Morgana or Susan Blakely especially, because like if you drop Susan Blakely off a building and she landed on her head, she'd be fine. She was she was set for survival with that helmet head. Yes. <laughs> but but I think Mary Lou Hanner is actually really good in it, and I think she looks really beautiful, like in a very normal, <laughs> normal way. Because Leslie and Dan is obviously a really beautiful woman, but Morgana is like, I don't know how you would describe her except Alexis Carrington, but she's like Alexis Carrington times ten. It's like yes. the stylist dropped acid and then got her shit together. Do you know what I mean? Like did her hair. Like she's six inches taller with her hair like that than she would be normally.
3: It's some big hair. It's it, great late eighties hair. It is, yeah. Um, but Mary Lou Henner can fight, though. You know, she can. Detective Flannery can fight. She's not. Um, she's not like a damsel in distress. No, in no. In this film at all. Um, you know, she's a very tough. Um, you know, and she's a flawed character, but I really liked her character in this movie. And of course, Thomas Calabro, I think he's extremely attractive. So I liked his stripping scenes. Um, and it was kind of interesting to actually hear like music I recognized because in something like for ladies only, uh, I I loved it and I loved the stripping scenes in it. Um, but part of the time I kind of wondered if I was at the dance from prom night because the music in it just reminded me of the prom night yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, Like almost a hit, but not quite. I wanted one of the strippers to come out and the song to be like, prom night.
1: Prom thing <laughs> is all right. All right. That would have been really good. That's unfortunate that didn't happen.
3: Oh, I know. Um, and I did want to say one thing is that, um, of course, in this one, uh, a male cop goes undercover to catch, um, you know, the the crazy woman, Tina Turner, woman with the Freddy Krueger fingernails, slashing up um, strippers. Um, but you know there is—you um, know—it's not a made-for-TV movie, but it sounds like it's along the same lines. You know, "Strip to Kill," which is mm. female strippers oh, and a yes. female cop going undercover. But I've never seen "Strip to Kill." I haven't so I'm either. Curious how it measures up to this film,
2: Dan? Dan, I here. Here's the thing. I I saw "Strip to Kill" uh, in about 1993. So, I do not remember it, but I don't. I, my, I, uh, uh, my sort of um, ingrained memory of it is, it might be fun. So, so I think um, we need to watch Strip to Kill. Uh, we'll do our stripper. Could we do a stripper um, uh, themed? Uh, you
1: could do it for podcast? your. You could do it for your podcast. Oh, so it's
2: I'll not do it for, for TV movie. Yeah, because it's no, not a TV movie. I'll do movie. it for my podcast. i bring you all you guys on.
3: Okay, that sounds like yeah, a that'll plan. be fun. And one thing I wanted to say is, uh, after the first death, uh, somebody says something like, "There was a slashing at Lady Killers," and I was like, "That is such a good title. This movie should have been called A Slashing at Lady <laughs> Killers." <laughs> would that not be awesome? Like, if I heard that title, I would have to watch it. But um, as it stands, oh, yeah. this movie is just—I don't know—it just—it's one of those movies that to me that just throws in everything but the kitchen sink. It's just the over-the-top in just every possible way. But that's what makes it great. Um, a huge recommendation, two thumbs up.
1: Yeah, you had a good week with our TV movie picks this time.
3: Oh yes, I really love both of them. I was hoping I'd be able to talk about both of them too because I like them both, but in different ways.
1: Yeah, they're they're two totally. They're on the same topic, but they're they have two completely different approaches. And yes. and they got so much out of male stripping just in these two films. Um, and it's so interesting to look at like in '81, TV movies were still pretty well respected and prominent, although they were waning in popularity. But by '88, they were becoming more of a joke. And I don't know if maybe there's a tongue-in-cheek thing about it, but like. If anybody's going to say TV movies in the late eighties were a joke, this this is a pretty good example of where they might have gotten that idea from. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, which is unfortunate because it's really entertaining, but it's also like it's like there are no words. <laughs> there are no words to describe this film. <laughs> it just is what it is. It's it's an anomaly. It's so different from anything else, and it's hysterical and it's it's endlessly entertaining. Is what it is. It's just really fun really fun and i second thomas calabro because yes <laughs> he is so beautiful he is i follow him on twitter by the way um he is so beautiful and i did a podcast, a podcast the colombo podcast that just one more thing and we did a thomas calabro episode called no time to die and they did not like the episode i did and also doug savants in that episode was before they did melrose place so that was kind of neat but um um i said let me tell you the three things i like about no time to die and they were like, okay. What are they? And I said, Thomas Calabro in the shower? Thomas Calabro in the shower? Oh. (laughs) And there's a scene with Thomas Calabro in the shower. I really like that. And, <laughs> and they thought that was really funny. But I really, I'm extremely attracted to him. I mean, he is so beautiful. And he's a really good actor, regardless of what Dan says. He's very good. If you watch, if, I don't know if you've ever seen Melrose Place, but Michael Mancini is one of the greatest characters ever on a nighttime soap. He is so much fun. He is so much fun. And when he hooked up with Peter, do you remember Peter Nate, the Jack Wagner character on Melrose Place? Yes. When those two would get conniving together, it was magic.
3: Oh, they were great connivers, but uh, oh my goodness, I, I love Melrose Place. So good. So good. By the way,
1: I just started watching Models, Inc.,
4: oh, I love Models Inc. Yeah,
1: like four episodes in. That is a horrible show. Like, now I understand. It was created by Chuck Pratt, who took over Young and the Restless for a while, and his nickname was What the Fuck Chuck. And um, (laughs) that was the nickname the fans gave him because they couldn't stand him. And I was like, but he created Models Inc. And they were like, have you seen Models Inc.? And now I'm experiencing it for the first time, and it's, it's intense. It's intense. It's like Melrose Place. If Melrose Place had, like, it dropped acid. That's the way I can describe these things. It's it's just. what it, well, it, well, I mean, Linda Gray it, is it's great. It's like it.
3: Melrose Place. Uh, I don't know times ten. Yeah. Because, like they just give no thought to you know I I felt like they didn't give any real thought to characterization or anything it was just make as many characters catty as possible well
1: it's like it's like it's got the one girl who did porn and then she's got the boyfriend who's like blackmailing somebody and then it's got the model that gets thrown off the top of the building this is just in the pilot and then it's got the Australian (laughs) model who for some reason hates the really beautiful new model you know the young blonde girl that's kind of the anchor of the show and somehow they have a hate relationship and there's a scene where the Australian girl is going to be this headliner at this runway show and she gets hung over do you remember this nate and 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 she and so she starts tripping like she's like oh i'm really tired so like 30 minutes into like a 45 minute runway show she can't like stand straight and then they're like well you can't be the final girl i was gonna wear that dress and so then she you know and then so they give it to the young girl and then she comes out in a different dress and she's fine like, they don't have her stumbling around. She's just walking like a very professional model. And I was like, I don't understand. They just had this moment so that they could facilitate this girl taking over. Do you know what I mean? Getting the main part. And it, it like, it's like they just make things happen to make it happen. Like, there's no reason for storylines well, to happen the way they do. But they need to happen that way so that the characters can have that reaction.
3: What I always remember, always, is uh, the two models getting into a fight on the photo shoot. And wow. it's just, I mean, I don't know if you've got to that no. yet, but it's so over the top because they're taking photos and the models are sitting there having a conversation while the photographer's taking photos. And I'm like, I don't think that would fly normally because, I mean, the photographer wants them focused and they're just sitting here spending all their time being caddy to each other until then they get in a pushing match. And then next thing you know, they're rolling around on the ground.
1: I can't wait! I can't wait! I have every episode, so
3: okay, well. I'm on like <laughs> so episode four. To get to
1: that one. I'm on like episode four, so we'll get there. But anyway, Thomas Calabro was part of Marvel's Place, which Models Inc. is a, is a spinoff of. So we're still sort of on topic. But anyway, as Michael Mancini, he was untouchable. He was fantastic, and um, and he played the character just right because he was sleazy, but he was also very likable through the entire run of the show. And he's the only character who stayed from beginning to end and then he was on the reboot and i think he was the only consistently reoccurring character from the original on the reboot and he's just really good uh now he's on the bay i think which is this like web series um but i love him and i think that he's not a very good dancer but it doesn't matter because he looks like that he could just stand there and i'm entertained i'm entertained not gonna lie so um, so that's what I think and that's what Nate thinks and so Dan
2: the thing about Lady Killers is that I love it I think it's (laughs) so good I I think it I think it's it's to me it's super camp it's super goofy it's 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 one of those things uh, movies that you watch the first time and this is going to be one that that um, everyone might not like but the first time I watched the last slumber party, I didn't fully get what was happening, but the third or fourth time I watched it, I realized that it was completely screwball all the way through. And lady killers is like that. I feel like lady killers is, is not only camp, but is almost a parody Mm -hmm. of this kind of thing. And I really love it. I I just I just like Mary Lou Henner is giving it her all and she's giving it her all in a world where everything is screwy and everything is strange. And like there, there are like the I mean that that like the first uh, stripper we see looks like uh is it sammy kerr from true treat (laughs) yes and and he looks like that but the song playing is beds are burning from midnight oil which is a very political not metal song and so you hear that and you're like okay something's wrong something's gone goofy with this movie and I love this movie so much that I, because it's, it's just so, it's just so nuts every step of the way. Like when they, when they bring him in and when they do that, um, when they have all the cops dancing and they're like, clearly not supposed to be the strippers. And then um, Kavanaugh comes in and he's like, Oh, he's the hunk. It's like, well, of course he's the hunk. I I knew he was the hunk earlier on, and, and it's like when um, Flanders and Kavanaugh are having conversations, and like like they're jogging, and it's like oh. I I love I love Ka- uh, I love Kavanaugh so much because he does like a Sam Kinnison thing where one moment he's like. Hey, what's going on? And the next moment, he's like, "What are you doing?" What? And he's suddenly yelling, and and, and it's like that's like Kavanaugh's thing, and I guess Flannery likes that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, because it's look at him.
2: Yeah, uh, I agree. I agree. There, but there are at least two scenes, maybe three, where the two of them are talking, and she says something, and he goes from like level one. To like level nine immediately. <laughs>
1: they originally had Sam Kinison in that part, but he had to drop out. I,
2: I think he he had died. Is no no happened. no in eighty eight really? When did he die? I don't know. I um, don't either, to but, be honest. No, I think it was a couple of years after. I'm sorry. I love this movie because if you if you sit down and watch it the first time and you think oh this is just okay, luxuriated it. Pretend <laughs> it's a whirlpool. Like, pretend you're um, get in your get in your bathing suit, or get nude if you want to. I, I'm in my bathing suit and go in the whirlpool, and it's hot and it's warm and it's it's flowing around you, and and you're looking at it. And you're going, and every moment of this is actually really lovely. From the what is it? The um, is it the captain? I forget the captain's name. Buckholtz. Uh, Buckholtz. Yeah, yeah, Buckholtz, uh, who seems to be as uh, completely incompetent because of the moment where um, Flannery, ru- like she has the um, uh, 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 the the piece of paper and she rubs the f- uh, she she scrapes the four um, blades across it and she goes, "Oh my God, here it is!" and she shows it to him and he goes. What's that? And it's like, wh- what are you talking about? And he, she's like holding up um, the the photo of the guy who got killed and his four slashes, and her four slash um, thing that she's done over it, and they match. And she's like, look at this. And he's like, what is that? A, uh, I've, worked for, I've, I've worked for a lot of guys in corporations who don't know what the hell you're talking about when you make a perfect point. I love it all. Okay. I'll, <laughs> there go, I'll, stop, okay. Th- I'll stop there. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll stop there. Cause I, I feel like I may go off wandering, but there are so many moments in this movie that are just like, that are just so great whether it be the strippers or whether it be the, the the red herrings or whatever it is there are so many great points in this movie that are fun i love it i i have a good time so good okay so i'm
1: glad you liked one of these we haven't really revealed who the killer is and i think we'll just leave it at that it's a pretty easy movie to find um and it's i think nate's right it's pretty obvious who the killer is if you can avoid looking at promotional stills that'll really help because there's a still that i have purposely avoided using when i've been promoting the podcast recording because it's pretty obvious when you can look close enough at the killers in their getup, who it is. So is. Um, you'll know who it is, but just watch the movie and let it full flow, flow over you. It's like a big warm, sexy blanket is what it is. And so just in, let it envelop you and enjoy it and um, tell Thomas Calabro we sent you, is what I'm saying. So, <laughs> I'm just going to do some background real quick and then Nate's probably going to have to go and then we'll go ahead and do feedback. Is that right or can you stay and hang out, Nate?
3: Um, I'll probably have to go after... After the background, unfortunately. Okay,
1: there's very little background, so you just have like another two minutes here. So it originally aired on November 9th, 1988, on ABC. It ran against um, The Equalizer and Wise Guy on CBS. And on NBC was Night Court, Baby Boom, and Tattinger's, which was, a, a, I think, a nighttime soap that was very short lived. ABC won that night, and Lady Killers ranked at number 14 for the week. I don't know what the exact numbers were, but it did really well. um, Better than um, for Ladies Only. Um, It was uniformly derided by critics. John O'Connor of the New York Times hated it. Said it was a lowbrow attempt to get female viewers, but it worked, obviously. And it uh, ignored the AIDS virus. That was a big thing he had about it. Uh, Monica Collins of USA Today said it... um, is caught in the same old grind. Want, want, get it. Grind, strip down. <laughs> um, Don Shirley from the LA Times uh, said it was an excuse to put male flesh on display. Um, which I don't understand why that's an issue, but okay. Director Robert Michael Lewis is an extremely prolific director. Um, Some of my favorite movies he's made are Pray for the Wildcats. He did another uh, kind of WTF movie with Heather Locklear called City Killer, which is wild, and hopefully we'll get to cover that one day. I really love that film. Um, And he did a movie called The Night They Took Miss Beautiful, which is um, actually streaming on Amazon, I think. Um, It was anyway a few months ago, and that's a really fun 70s TV movie. The screenwriter Gregory S. Danala was mostly an episodic writer. And that's really all the feedback I have on this. They didn't really cover the film in terms of interviewing any of the actors. When the movie came out, it was mostly just critic. Uh, What I could find was um, when the movie was going to air, what the critics were saying. And basically they were saying it was shit. And that was enough to get people interested in it. And and it did really well for that week. Um, And it has somehow lasted through the years way better than For Ladies Only has, although I think it's inferior in terms of filmmaking quality but it's probably superior in terms of entertainment value would be my opinion um and that's it for these two films i'm not really sure anybody understood the lady killers conversation <laughs> at all so i don't know if you have any questions let us know we'll give you the contact information at the end i guess we'll say goodbye to nate and then we'll do our feedback
3: all right well i've really enjoyed it
1: It was fun. Thank you for it. I'm glad you you got to do both movies and I'm glad you enjoyed them, especially for ladies only. I was wondering what you'd think of that.
3: Yep, I really liked it. So thumbs up from me for both of these. Yay. Yay. Okay. Thank you, Nate. Thanks.
2: Good night, Nate.
3: Good night, y'all.
0: Feedback
2: time. Yeah. Oh,
0: yes.
1: Okay. So the first feedback we have is an audio clip and, um, I didn't write down his name. He's going to say it on the clip. I feel really bad that I just did that. Um, (laughs) But I'm pretty sure he says it on the clip. And he brings up a lot of really interesting things that we probably should have talked about in the Lady Killers review and somehow didn't. But uh, anyway, here we go.
4: Adam Gordon here, and Lady Killers is a favorite of mine, thanks primarily due to Susan Blakely of Rich Man, Poor Man, and co-ed Call Girl fame, so I wanted to leave some comments. The killer was so obvious that by the end of the film, no reveal seemed necessary. You had the designer at Blakely's marketing firm who had the four-exacto knife weapon used in the murders, the fired feature dancer, the obsessed fan hiding a huge secret from her asexual husband, and the aggressive Blakely character herself, but only one character had the motive of revenge, jealousy, and anger, the opportunity, and the weapon. I thought that the tip from the former prostitute toward the end served no real purpose other than to lead Henner back to the club to save the easily knocked out Thomas Calabro. The main theme of Lady Killers was, of course, gender role reversal. From women piling into a strip club as though something interesting was happening inside, to the predatory sexuality of Leslie Ann Downs and Blakely's characters, to the male cops unceasingly giggling like a bunch of schoolgirls, to Calabro going in undercover, Charlie's Angel style, to Mary Lou Henner being Calabro's boss, and saving his life at the end. There was also the scene where Calabro, unencumbered by the relationship with Henner at that point, ran out of Blakely's house to avoid sex, instead of merely excusing himself to the bathroom to remove the wire, especially since Blakely had no place to hide any weapons. Sure, he was still truly interested in getting back with Henner's character, but the scene is played as a complete role reversal. In short, imagine the same movie with the sex is reversed, it would be a grindhouse flick. The second theme was that of female obsession and jealousy, displayed by every female character in the movie. In fact, the only character that comes off looking good as Thomas Calabros. That may be why Amanda picked this film. The third least obvious theme was that of police incompetence. The cops made a ton of blunders, from being stymied by the weapon to letting Calabro into a suspect's home without giving any thought to the fact that said suspect was planning to have sex with him. So maybe a bug might have been better than a wire to letting an obvious suspect in to watch male cops dance and strip in a memorably bizarre scene that probably wouldn't make it to air nowadays. And don't forget about the fact that an incredibly inappropriate relationship that literally everyone knew about was allowed to go under the brass his noses for an hour and 15 minutes. Of course, there were the 80s touches, the end of the male stripper era, the big hair, and the elaborate outfits. This movie had it all, including a breakneck pace. Susan Blakely was stunning, erotically smoldering, and unforgettable in this movie. I was glad when it turned out she was merely a man-eater rather than a man-killer. Down and Henner did a skillful job of joining in the gender-bending fun. Truly a recommended campy TV movie class. Thanks, Amanda, and I'll be listening.
1: Okay, so Adam basically did in four minutes what we tried to do in like an hour. and yeah. It was amazing. Alrighty. That's okay. He brought up so many good points. The thing that he mentioned that struck me the most and which seems so obvious but I didn't think about until he said it was the gender reversals. Oh, sure. And, and yeah. they're super apparent in this film, obviously. The women are in positions of power. Um, they run the club. They run the advertising agency. She's the main detective. And and she also saves Calabro at the end. And when you look at it through his eyes – I think Dan, you were right to call it a parody. It's more self-aware, according to Adam's yeah. review of it, than we probably gave it credit for. Dan, I mean Nate and myself, and uh, and he brought up some other things about like the incompetency of the police, which, to be honest, I actually thought the police scenes were really interesting. Like, there's that scene. The- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Oh, I was gonna say there. There are some some weird scenes like. I forgot to mention all the scenes where everybody's laughing all the time. Yes. There there's lots of laughing going on in the scenes. And like the the last scene with the um captain, there's like he he's talking to them and it's 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 a little weird because it's like there there's laughing and he's trying to figure out what's going on and it's he, it, 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 you get the feeling that everyone's everyone's laughing, but the captain isn't laughing. Well, he he's weird. the
1: only one who didn't know that they were dating, and then I think he was flustered.
2: Yes, and then – yeah, and the very final scene when they're smooching – he he looks at it like, hmm, what's going on here? Is everyone's like clapping? But and, and
1: but I'll stuff. be honest, I actually kind of like the cop scenes. So like, there's a scene where yeah. they're all gathered in an office and they're and they're like, oh, I have to run down every costume shop to find this wig, and mm-hmm. they're talking to the guy. and He's like, well, I have thirty more shops to go. Like they're actually really meticulous in like yes. the research process, and I I thought that those scenes were actually fairly well done, um, and I liked. And we didn't mention, and I can never get his name right, Brian Keith. Keith David, David Keith, Keith from the Dave, thing.
2: Keith David. He, yeah, yeah he, he's he's, great, he's yeah. in it.
1: He's in one scene. The star of the thing is in one scene as like a psychologist. Yeah yeah and he's yep. just basically like uh mind hunter, you know what I mean, and like mm-hmm. profiling, but it's so weird that he's in he's such a good actor and he's in one scene, yeah. and he just kind of disappears, and I don't know why but <clears throat> but I do think the investigative process in some scenes is actually like kind of well done, but um, I think Adam brought up a lot of really interesting points. I really like the idea of the gender reversal and um and he's absolutely correct about it. I'm sorry, I keep getting things stuck in my throat, so um not because I'm Susan Blakely. I'm not talking a cop out of anything. I'm not talking the cop down. Uh, But I'm not talking to him gently. But, uh, damn it. Sorry. So one of the things that happened while I was in, um, damn it. One of the things that happened while I was in England was that the building next to my hotel caught fire. And I swallowed. Oh, yes. I swallowed I a lot that. of.
2: That's crazy. Are you okay?
1: I swallowed a lot of smoke, and I haven't been able to talk properly for like three weeks. <laughs> so, and that's a true story. I woke up the next day and I could barely speak, um, and I think that's because I inhaled smoke because uh, I went back to my room and it was still on fire. I think the hotel, or I mean the building next to the hotel. So anyway, um, I've not fully recovered from it. Um, so, pardon me but uh but yeah adam's feedback is really fascinating um and i like it and i'm really glad he submitted it so thank you adam and i'm glad he enjoyed the movie i like what he said about susan Blakely because she was she erotically smoldering it was kind of cool like the way he described her in that
2: oh definitely yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's something there's something about the mix of her hair and her that are awesome
1: yeah she's really cool i love susan Blakely. um She's a really yeah. beautiful woman. I don't know how I feel about her in this film so much, but
2: yeah, yeah, she's she's. In, in this one, I kept I kept looking at her and thinking, ah, mm, the 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 hair might be too much in this one. It's a little too much. I, I
1: will say something that's interesting about this film too is that there's a lot of side boob. And, like, and like, it was shocking to find out it was a TV movie because yeah. it was a little bit more almost naked than I'm used to seeing in TV movies.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and so that was interesting. I feel like there's a scene with Mark Singer that's almost naked, too, though, in for Ladies Only. Like, there's a lot of Mark Singer in one scene.
2: There um, is. Yeah. 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 I I remember when I watched it, I thought, yeah. what? But that's a thing, like, after Beastmaster, like... When you see him in V and you see how much he's a freedom fighter for the world, if he needs to get nude, I'm okay, do it.
1: Yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm just surprised to see it on TV.
2: Yeah, exa- uh, possibly.
1: Yeah. yeah, but Mark Singer naked. I mean, I mean, he's – so when I watched uh, Shades of Love, Indigo Autumn, I mean, it was the most male nudity <laughs> I've seen with the exception of Tangerine Taxi. Uh
2: <laughs> Oh my gosh! I want to watch Tangerine. It's so good. That's it's so, so good. It's got the guy from Lottery.
1: It's got the blonde guy from Lottery. I've uh, been looking for that. And and it's got the really cute guy that uh, walks with the crutches in Night of the Creeps.
2: Oh sure, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And I'm okay. in
1: love with I both know of name,
0: them. But I know it's like it's
1: like it's like Steve Marshall, I think, is his name. And I can't, and the other guy's name is Marshall Colt, um, the oh. actor and um from Lottery and. Um, I've looked for that movie for like a decade, and I finally found it, and it was really good. It's one of my favorite shades of love. But Indigo Autumn, Mark Singer does a lot of nudity in it, and, um... Really? That's
2: actual... Proper well, well,
1: but like well, in all the shades of love, the the female lead is always topless in the sex scene. It's Canadian, oh. and I don't know what their their rules are. And some of them were made for DVD, and some were made for TV. But the from what I've seen, I've seen about half of the movie so far. It's there's always a topless woman, and you never really see that much of the man. But in Tangerine Taxi and in Indigo Autumn, you see a lot more. This, butt, you know what I mean. Nothing major, but like, sure, sure. but like more than I was expecting to see. And so, sure, and sure. the sex scene in Indigo Autumn is a little bit more graphic, um, <laughs> and then it than any of the other sex scenes I've seen in any of the other Shades of Love. So, Mark Singer was in it to win it, all right. And I was with I, him the I, whole I, way. I was with him, man. I was with. Them. I was. I was right there with him. I was like, "Do it, Mark. Come on."
2: I feel like if we could assemble these shows. We sh- there should be a podcast of us. Maybe not me, but I could do it uh, talking about these shows.
1: Shades of Love,
2: a uh, 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 both of them.
1: I think I think you would go nuts watching. Well, romance theater it takes a special person to be able to sit through any of those. And, and are those
2: the Louis Jordan? Yeah,
1: yeah. You have to have okay. a high endurance because they're long and they're very harlequiny. And I think they're great, but. Well, I don't know that they that the majority of people in the world would find them as good as I do.
2: Okay. Well, you know that um uh the book star in Studio City in Los Angeles, I was in charge of the romance yes. um aisle in nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety seven.
1: But but you so, didn't watch romance theater.
2: I didn't watch romance theater, but I used to bring in uh I, I remember spending two hours sitting with a woman in the aisle, and we looked through all the Fabio novels sure. and all the others. And but how many of them have we you like, read? Viking, and what are the Fabio novels? I don't know. Is I don't, don't
1: like the period piece ones.
2: Okay, uh, uh, but um, I was in charge of that aisle for about a year and a half, and so yeah, so I know, maybe- But being
1: in charge of a being in charge of a romance. Section at a bookstore and watching romance theater are two totally different things.
2: Okay. All right. I'm
1: just telling Here. you. I mean, I don't want to downplay the show. I love it. I think it's great. But I, I really feel like most people would be like, this is two hours long. And shot on video, and it's just people talking about love. And you know what I mean? It's not, it doesn't have a lot to promote it, except for the fact that most of the actresses went on to be really famous, like Deborah Foreman's in it, and PJ Souls is in an episode, and Gary Hudson's in an episode from Lady Killers, the first victim is in Lights, Camera, Action, Love Mm -hmm. um, with Janice Page by the way. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. Um, Patty Davis from Four Ladies Only was uh, the best friend in, I think it's Escape to Love, which is one of my favorites because the actor, who's this Middle Eastern guy, and I can never pronounce his name, but it's like Aaron Ippolay. He's in the Mummy movies. He is so beautiful. He is so beautiful. I've watched that one a couple times because I just love that actor. Um, And the guy in Over the Top is super sexy too, but I don't think he wanted to be famous. And John Murders' wife's in an episode um what's it called so good with um brad Mall from general hospital played dr tony jones wow. and that's a really good one They're but you have that's a, i think they're wonderful i just don't know that they're for everybody and i wouldn't make people watch them per se yes I'm saying.
2: no i i i have a lot of movies that um i say the same thing about so i'm in so okay
1: so so we have one more piece of feedback. Yes. So let me just read it, um, and then we can go on and end this whatever this was that just happened. Okay. So here we go. Oh boy. Jack, Jack DVD seventy eight here with some feedback. I wasn't able to watch for ladies only. That one is harder to find, but that's on my uh, that's on my lookout list of TVMs to watch. So just some thoughts on the other title, Lady Killers. Has a lot of Tina Turner references, and it can't be coincidence. Lady Killers is a story. Lady Killers is a story of a Tina Turner wig-wearing killer with a, quote-unquote, steel claw for a weapon. Steel claw is a track from Private Dancer. Oh, and Samantha's boyfriend, Kavanaugh, Tells her, "Don't rush the good things." A, "What's love got to do with a UKB side?" This is so fascinating during a dinner date, or it could be that for some strange reason, I know that Tina album too well. I find it funny that women go crazy over some of these strippers. You get a hair metal rocker type; another wears a crazy fur outfit. But the act at the act the ladies seem to love is the Glamour Boys tuxedo routine. The Glamour Boys song had some laughably bad lyrics. When the actor at the start of the film is singing in the shower, it sounds like something he made up on the spot to pass the time it wasn't it's an actual song played during the strip act and it's by it's actually by living color And uh, personally i really like that song um, mary lou henner is the star and luckily her outfits aren't as over the top as the strippers she's likable and the role isn't as flashy as possible as the possible villains of the movie but she looks great leslie ann down is morgana devours devours the scenery as the strip club owner and the thief of Joan Collins dynasty wardrobe and attitude. Love how Susan Blakely is li- as Lila. Oh, it's Lila, isn't it? Runs to her design firm with high standards. She, oh yeah, that's right. She tells one employee that just won't do. You'll have to improve Gary or start cleaning out your desk. That's right. Yes, I think Gary's yeah, days at that job are numbered. The, that's right. I, I'm, hate,
2: I, I hate to work there. You know, yeah. it's like, I just bring him my work for the day and it's like, um, no, clear out your desk
1: yeah she's so bitchy about it the confrontation with lila and samantha with the near bitch slap is great but i suppose it was too much to ask that and realistically that may have landed her in jail first or fast i doubt samantha would have let it slide she at least threatens to throw her in the jail cell with the other whores that's right the light scene at the end Oh, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time reading this. The fight scene at the end was a good time. I can't help but wonder, did Mary Lou flip that desk or was that a stunt double? With the low resolution, I wasn't sure.
2: This oh, is, yeah.
1: yeah. This is the second time I've watched ladies, Lady Killers. It's always fun. I almost forgot who the killer was the second time around. The current climate of sexual issues being what it is, it's nice to see that women are the ones in control. Yet, aside from the killer in the movie, the men are treated with respect." Very good feedback. I love the Tina Turner references. Like, I didn't, I wouldn't have known yeah. any of that, even though I have Private Dancer and it's a great record. But, um, he, he really caught on to some of that weird, um, sort of connections. And I wonder if maybe the guy who wrote it was a Tina Turner fan and that was part of the inspiration.
2: Possibly, yeah. That's yeah, going to be, I,
1: that's going to be part of my background from now on. I'm going to make it up. <laughs> I made it up.
2: Well, I, I, it's like Steel Claw is also the, um, was a, um, I don't know if it was a video nasty, but there's if you look up Steel Claw online, there is a VHS cover from the UK, He's Back, Steel Claw. And there is a very lurid cover for that. And it's like, I don't fully know what that movie is. I'd have to look it up. But um, Steel Claw is up to something.
1: There's also um, there's also Black Claw from Scalps.
2: Oh
0: yes, yeah, yeah. So oh, I like scal-
1: Scalps. I do too. It's fun. it's fun. But anyway, so that was our feedback. I was hoping we'd get more because it was male strippers, but nobody seemed to bite.
0: Oh, well, that which is happens.
1: unfortunate. I thought Gore Blimey would be all over
2: it
0: yeah
1: <laughs> I really Definitely. did I'm really disappointed he wasn't but um, anyway so that's the end of the review portion and the feedback portion we're just gonna real briefly uh, tell you what we're gonna do next and give you our contact info and also just I'm gonna mention a couple things um, that uh, I am going to be doing so I'm going to have a chapter in a book coming out called Yuletide Terror which I'm sure I've mentioned before but it's coming Hooray. out yay it's coming out real soon um you can get it through Spectacular Optical you can just google them they're a Canadian publisher and um they are releasing it I'm assuming it'll be available through Amazon and stuff but I don't really know the release date I just know it's supposed to be before the holidays fingers crossed um And I wrote about anthology, horror horror anthology shows, or I guess, yeah, anthology shows that had horror holiday episodes, if that makes sense. So um, that was really fun for me, and I hope everybody enjoys it. The chapter list is amazing. Go on their website and look and see what else is available in the book. Um, And it kind of became official today, even though I've known about it for a while. But um, I'm going to be doing some programming and co-hosting at the Alamo Draft House here in Austin. Oh, wow. At the Ritz with Joe Zamba, your old writing partner. Um, for his Terror Tuesday, we're going to be doing a TV movie mystery uh, selection every oh, like three so or four awesome. months. Um, the first one's going to be January 30th. And um, and I have the film picked out, but it's a mystery, so you will have to go and see it to see what it is. Um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I think it's going to set the tone. I said that in, when I wrote about it on my Facebook today. For what's to come, it's it's a really good movie, and I think everybody will really enjoy it. Um, and it's a good opener for horror and television. So that's happening again. January 30th will be my first um, Stint doing it, um, and if yeah. you go on the Alamo Draft House website, they've already put up the little advertisement for it. So that's kind of all I have going on here right now. Um, my talk in Canterbury went pretty good, I think. I met a lot of really interesting people, awesome. um, and uh, hopefully, I'll be doing some more. I don't know about presenting because it's expensive for me to fly all over the world like that. But <laughs> um, but definitely uh, be submitting more academia to books that are coming out. There's a couple of really interesting call for papers that I'm looking at right now. So, um, and England was really fun. I want to throw a big shout out to Gore Blimey again. He came out to see me. Um all the way from Wales, and we had a great time. We went to David Warbeck's house and snuck around and took photos, and it was beautiful, and it was a lot of fun. And I also met Ash from Hammered Horror. He's no longer on that podcast, but um, anyway, that's how I knew him. And we spent all day drinking, and he was amazing. And also David uh, from Head Press came and met with me, and we had a couple drinks. I also met Dave Probert, who I introduced you to, Dan, on Twitter, and I feel really oh, bad. Yes. Yeah. He's got a podcast. That I haven't listened to yet. That he was telling me about. That's very much like yours. It's about short-lived shows. Oh, and oh, wow. he, they did Manimal. I'm pretty sure. Oh. And um, oh god, what is it called? Fuck, I looked it up today. I'm so sorry, Dave. I'll 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 correct that next time. Um, and we'll promote it for you. Anyway, Dave's amazing. He's this font of TV knowledge, American and British TV, and that was really fun talking to him too. So that was really great, and I made some friends at the conference. So thank you everybody for that um and uh dan do you have anything you want to
2: promote um no not really the the book is the eighties action movies on the cheap is still out and um uh adventure super train and things like that but i'm uh i'm good so yeah yay yay awesome.
1: okay so um Next month is Christmas, so hopefully we'll have Joanna back. She sent me some dates, which I haven't forwarded to you and Nate, but we can see if we can settle (laughs) on one. Um, And what we're going to be doing is kind of a theme. Um, We're going to be reviewing a TV movie from 1971, I think, called A Little Game, which is a Christmas set. Evil kids film that we talked about on the Halloween episode and I've written about it for Yuletide Terror actually for their capsule reviews and it's a movie that I really like and I'm excited because... Christmas isn't, like, the main theme in the film, but it's there, and I and I think that it applies, and I think it'll be a lot of fun for us to discuss. And then we're also going to play a game. So we're going to watch a little game, Yay. and we're going to play a game. And that will be the Christ- just like the Christmas game we played last year with Joanna, where she's going to come up with some titles, and we're going to try to figure nice. out what the movie is. Um, that's really fun for us. Uh, and Joanna's really good at picking out, like, super generic Christmas titles. And, um <laughs> And so uh, we can look forward to that. If you have anything to say about our podcast... Uh, whether it be the movie we're discussing, any other TV movies or things you want us to discuss or anything else, ideas you have uh, for double features, blah, blah, blah. Um, you can reach us in a couple different ways. You can reach us at tvmayhempodcast at com. You can find us on Twitter at tvmayhempodcast or you can find us on Facebook at the Made for TV Mayhem show. Um, that's your best chance to get in touch with us. People have been leaving comments on the website as well, which I didn't write down. <laughs> it's something like may tv mayhem wordpress.com something that like sounds,
2: that. That sounds that sounds great. Yeah. yeah.
1: So um anyway, so please get in touch with us. We love hearing from you. The Halloween episode got a lot of nice feedback from people afterwards. Yes. Um Thank you. And so we really like that participation thing. And if you really like the Halloween episode and you're just discovering us, I would like to recommend that you listen to our favorite actors and favorite actresses episode because we also throw out a lot of titles. And the actress episode in particular, we got a lot of feedback. And so there's a lot of movie recommendations and actor recommendations. Um, So if you're just discovering TV movies or you want to revisit some of them, those are good episodes to listen to to get like a whole bunch of episodes, uh, titles. for you to look at so that's it i was a little off my game tonight i'm sorry i'm still recovering as you can probably hear from my voice um but this was really fun and i'm gonna close this out by playing the entire song Uh, That Thomas Clobber strips to, which is uh, Baby Stay With Me Tonight by Jeffrey Osborne, because I love that song. I love that song. And ever since I've seen Lady Killers, I've just, I have to listen to that song all the time. So um, that will be it. And we'll see you next time. Good night.
2: Good night.